Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Lauren and RJ, the Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on a Monday installment of the program. Our Mondays, as always, brought to you by our friends at The Best Bet. You want to have a big time? There's three locations. The Best Bet is in St. Augustine, just off I-290 or I-95, uh, in uh, Jacksonville on Monument Road in Orange Park on 17. On a cool, beautiful day out there. Welcome to the program. Glad you're along for the ride. Um, that feeling you feel like you got in the pit of your stomach, that one that makes your stomach turn a little bit, the one where you have that little stomach ache. What's, what, what are they yeah, doing? I don't know. What, what's what, going on here? What are they doing? Are they doing it here? Are they, just, are they just looking at it? Are they, is that the crowd? We got like the boss and the engineer staring at us. Is there, is there, is there a reason? Is there that? a fire behind yes, us? There must be. We must have to get out of here. Um, that, By the way, that building that you guys wanted to get like a timeshare that in, so that's sad. the one that the unfortunately got yeah building. caught on fire. Yeah, it's going to be delayed, night. unfortunately. Yeah. One day we'll have our fun. We, yes, we will. <laughs> that feeling you think you got into your gut, that feeling right now, right about now, that feeling in Dearborn and Kalamazoo. Flint. Flint and uh, Gross Point, all those areas right there around downtown Detroit yeah. in the suburbs. Can you imagine what it feels like there oh, today? Devastation. Think about what you felt like when Miles Jack wasn't down. Yeah. Oh, my good. Yet up 24-7. I mean, right now, that feeling in the pit of your stomach. Did you, did you, have you, I don't think I've ever gone on Twitter and seen more people angry about a loss that could care less about the Lions. I mean, Jaguar fans and fans around the league wanted so badly for that upset. That, did you notice that yeah. all over, all over X, that everyone's furious with Dan Campbell and furious with, the, they choked. I can't believe they choked. That was a choke dog if you've ever seen one. I'm thinking, these are people, these aren't Lions fans. What are the Lions fans thinking? Yeah. Can you imagine? I, I can only imagine. I mean, I, I'm sure there's a, a sense if you're a Lions fan of, hey, we've waited decades and decades and decades, and now it really does look like we have something built that's sustainable. And, right. uh, you know, so hopefully we're, we're around now for a little bit. But, uh, but it's, it's just it's one of those mornings you probably just don't get out of bed. You just call in and tell everybody, look, I love you, but don't contact me today. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and just sleep it off as best you can. Cause I mean, it's just, you had it right. A Super Bowl trip. Right. And, and again, this is what we all went through. The Jaguars had a, had a Super Bowl, maybe not to the level Detroit did, but certainly had the game in control in Foxborough, uh, and just couldn't hold it. And as we saw in that game, and as we saw yesterday, one mistake can snowball on you. And that's why, uh, the, the, Decisions to go for it on fourth down were so controversial, and it's why I think I, I just don't know how you can say, well, this was the right call. There's a there's a momentum to a game that analytics will never be able to account for. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anybody say it was the right call. I've heard people defend Dan Campbell. Well, that's how they got there, but but I but I agree with the you. analytics people. Yeah. I mean they 
are ready to fight to the death today well, well, over it's, it's, it's not Dan Campbell did the right thing and well, I, I just to me it's like you know I, I, I just don't know how you can it, it, I don't even think that it, with, with with apologies to the analytics people I don't even know if you can make the argument today sometimes I can see kind of both sides of the argument today it's hard for me to see that but we'll get to that yeah. in just a bit but, but I think you're right I do think you can it'll, it'll be okay if you sleep it off you can sleep this one off uh, Hayes as long as you sleep for about three months, okay? If <laughs> yeah. it, it's got to be about a three. It's got to be Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle could sleep this off. I'm not sure anybody else could. The only positive is I would assume that a lot of Lions fans are also Michigan fans, so they have a national championship That's, very recently, yeah, so at right. least it's not complete devastation yeah. that their only yeah. football team uh, choked it away. Yeah. Imagine sure. if you're a Sparty fan. Yeah. It's an oh, Lions fan. The Wolverines. Yeah, you've had a tough month. Win it and then <laughs> the Lions a, gag. Right, yeah, right, right. That's you've, true. you've had a tough month. Tough you've month. Tough month. So um And uh, I don't even think is the basketball team that good. They used to be great, but is Michigan State basketball any good? No this one year? talked about it. So I, don't, I don't um I know we cannot name any of the Michigan State players. Right. No. <laughs> but I can but but I can name Magic Tom, Johnson. Uh, by the way, Tom Izzo's still there, right? Is here is he I think Tom Izzo's still the coach. Yeah, okay. So I can name the coach. So I got that going for me. Um Wow, what a weekend for college foot. I mean, college. What a weekend for NFL football. I get some college basketball in a minute. What a, what a Sunday it was. I I mean, it was. I mean, I let me tell you how compelling it was. You ready for this? You ready for some news breaking stories? This story should have been on the top of the fold. This should be the story. Michigan State's twelve and eight. So, okay, so tough month for Sparty. <laughs> tough month for Sparty. <laughs> you want to know the uh, how compelling yesterday was? Suzanne Frangie. Locked in from three to about nine. Wow! No I mean, that, way. That, I'm telling you, locked in. Sat there, Suzanne, me and the dog. I mean, locked in. Never got up. How about that? I mean, my my wife. We we it was a the Frangi family watched both games. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, so she was she was locked in and pissed because both teams she rooted for lost. By the way, she was, yeah, she was very she was. She was. In fact, I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing. I'm never spending another day. I'm never doing it again. I said, well, don't you do it three and a half hours on Sundays? She said, but that's different. So, um, so I mean, when the Jags play, yeah. Uh, but we'll talk about that. What what a what a uh, it was a great it lived up to the Sunday. Even oh, the first yeah. game that it was still a 17-10 game. Sure. It was a competitive game and the last one was as good as advertised. So we'll, we'll certainly boy the NFL's king, isn't it? As much as I love college football, I mean, as much it, as I love baseball, the NFL is just freaking king. It's not only king, it's like it doesn't even have anybody that like remotely compares to it its kingdom. It It'd doesn't. be like comparing the United States to like, and forgive me if you're from these countries, but like <laughs> Sri Lanka or Uganda? Madagascar okay. or Madagascar. Burma or, you know, I mean, yeah. it's like that's what the NFL is to like the comparable yeah. leagues. Yeah. And I, RJ, I'm, I, I know RJ is a big NBA guy and I know Gibby's a, a big baseball guy. guy. I'm a big baseball. I love but, college football. Um, but it's just, I mean, the NFL is just peerless right now. When it comes to the world of sports in this country, I mean, it, people couldn't quit talking about those games. I mean, everywhere I was all over the place today. I mean, I, I'm just out of one of those all over the, and everywhere you go, people are talking about it. It's amazing stuff. Well, the NFL also gets exactly what it wanted, and yeah. that is the brand names: Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, You're along exactly for the ride. Right. Yeah. So pulling in the people who aren't even true sports fans, they've got that. And then on the other side, you've got. The quarterback that people keep calling a game manager, but he was the last pick in the draft, like the underdog story, if you will, yet everyone around him is just a bona fide superstar. You said it, and I'm gonna make this a point I got it scheduled for later on the program. But the NFL got it exactly what it wanted. It's got you know, it, here's what it's got. It's got Mahomes and Kelsey versus Montana and Rice. That's what this is. I mean, it's no one's no one's, so with all due respect, 
You're not going to see a lot of stories about Brock Purdy, who's really good, by the way. Boy, Brock Purdy stepped up, didn't he? As a runner, a passer, what a terrific player he is. Um, but you're not going to see a lot of stories about Brock Purdy and Debo Samuel. You're going to hear about the years of Montana and Rice, and you're going to hear about Mahomes and that's Kelsey. That's what you're going to hear about. So yeah, and that I mean that, it, and it's in Vegas. It is. It's about as perfect a Super Bowl as you could have. See, it's interesting because if I was Goodell, I would have wanted the Lions. See, I definitely would have wanted the Chiefs. See, it's funny. I don't. But I would have wanted the Lions, the, the Lions coming out of the NFC. The Lions would be a great story winning. The Lions winning yesterday would have been a way better story than the 49ers winning. But I don't think the Lions in the Super Bowl would be a better story than the 49ers in the Super really? Bowl. Really? I don't because it's the 49ers. I just, yeah. it's, it's the Yankee Dodgers thing to me. I, I, I think it is. I, I, I think, I think if, if, the, if the Minnesota Timberwolves had this amazing season, this amazing Cinderella season that they came out of nowhere and they're in this seven-game series with the Lakers to get to the finals, Everybody would think what a cool story it would be if the Timberwolves won this thing because they're, they never win anything. And the T-Wolves, and nobody even knows them, and they come out of nowhere, and they're going to play the Celtics, and it's going to be great. But Lakers-Celtics is better. Yeah, it, but it, I don't think the 49ers are yeah. the Lakers of the well, NFL. Well, but well, I, but well I, yeah, no, I mean, but they're not, but they're closer to yeah. it. Yeah, so, so I, I think – I mean – I wanted, We all wanted the Lions. The league wanted the Chiefs. Yeah, the, they, right. one, whoever came out of the NFC they would be fine with, they, they got what they wanted. They got Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. That's exactly right. And Mahomes and Kelsey yeah. and all of us. So you're, you're exactly yeah, right. Is it possible that Mahomes is like taking a back seat as far as the popularity kind in the of Super is. Bowl? No, yeah, How is that yeah. possible? Yeah. Yeah. And, he might be better than Tom Brady. He, he, I mean, he, he's Michael Jordan. Well, he's better than Tom Brady at the age of 28. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so, right. I mean, yeah. he's And in the he's end, trending he may end up to being be, better overall. Yeah, he's trending to yeah. be the greatest to ever do it. Yeah, but so we'll, we'll talk all about those games. That's our lead story. Uh, I went to a Zach Tech Arena for the first time. Uh, I'm such an idiot. My friend Buddy Martin had the best uh, tweet ever to me. I, I, I went on Twitter and said, listen, I can't believe. And Lauren looked it up. I didn't remember what it was. It was 2016 when they renovated it. That was for those, uh, for those that have a calculator out. That's eight years ago. I had not been to the renovated floor, the o- Odo. You haven't been either, right? I have not. You, you haven't been either. No. Shame on me, too. I mean, it is absolutely – it's like a little mini NBA arena. It is absolutely fantastic. Modern, the concourses, the feel inside. I walked all around. It, it's like a mini NBA arena. It really is. And I and the fact that I haven't been there – what an idiot I am. I, I, I put on Twitter that I haven't been there, and, and I went on and on about how great it was. My friend Buddy Martin sent me a tweet. He said, hey, did you hear Tebow won the Heisman? <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. I deserved it. So, uh, I've been to the baseball it. park, the new baseball yeah. park. You have too. I mean, it's unbelievable. It so is fantastic. We shouldn't be surprised that, of yeah. course, Exact Tech is yeah, as well. It, it, it is fantastic. Just yeah. leave the swamp alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, lots of things to talk about. Let's start with uh, football. Uh, there was a trend that came out of that game that uh, should make its way to the Jaguars. We'll certainly talk about that. Some Jaguar football. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, Gator Hoops, a, a really well respected columnist, uh, lost his life way earlier than we expected, Martin Finley. For people that don't know, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, about him. In uh, a, a very sad day, a sad day, and so many of the, the, the columnists and writers have weighed in on that. So we'll talk about that. Some NFL, a little bit of college basketball, a whole bunch of stuff to get to today on, on a gorgeous Monday here on the First Coast. It's the Best Bet Monday. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Here's Kansas City from the 19. Throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. With Kyle Hamilton all over the matchup you wanted to watch, Kelsey wins it. On the pocket, that's away from Chennault. 
who's trying to get after him for a second time, but the ball is thrown to the end zone, and it's caught! Flowers with the touchdown! Second and goal. Pacheco drives across for the Chiefs' touchdown. Ball batted up into the air, and caught by Jackson! He caught his own pass! That's one of the greatest plays! Jackson to Flowers, he dives! The ball came out! recovered by Kansas City. He gets the protection. He goes long and on his back to ice it is Marquez Valdez Scantling for the second straight. Jameson Williams, the speedster, has a block. Williams cuts up. 25-20. Still on his feet. Jameson Williams scores. Here's Purdy with a lot of time. Steps into one. Watching deep. Going for Brandon Ayuk. It is. Oh, he caught it off the ricochet. Is he in? Caffrey's going to get it. And he walks in. Touchdown, San Francisco. Elijah Mitchell in for the first time tonight. Guess what? He's going to get it. Mitchell surging forward. Touchdown! And there it is! The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl! It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. We do thank our friends from The Best Bet. Three locations in town this Saturday. $1,000 high hands plus $100 table share. From noon until 10, every 30 minutes, and that's at all three locations, Best Bet, Jacksonville, Orange Park, or St. Augustine. Frangie and Carline Brooks, R.J. Saunders with you. That's the way it sounded over the course of the weekend. The uh, Chiefs beat the Ravens. The 49ers beat the Lions. Uh, I picked both. You picked both. Uh, but I didn't think it would go the way it did, so I never saw it going the way. I, the AFC, I thought, went about like it would. I thought it would be more points. But I thought it would be a good game between two physical teams. The storyline was the physicality. All four teams were tough at the line of scrimmage. Really good physical linemen. And that's something the Jaguars can take note of. We'll get to that a little bit later on, how it all connects to the Jags. But those were four physical teams, boys. And that's why they played so deep. And, man, oh, man, that's something here. they got to get corrected here. And hopefully they will. And I believe they will. But, but to these games for a second. Let's start with what everyone's talking about. The, na- the name you're hearing the most today, whether it's on social media or on SportsCenter or anywhere else, is Dan Campbell. Dan, Campbell's, Dan Campbell is the most talked about name you're hearing everywhere today. So let's get right to it. Let's not bury the lead. you got to kick the field goal. And, and no matter what the analytics say, and, Hayes, I know the analytics people, no matter what the analytics say, the beauty of sports, the absolute greatness of sports, and it's one of the things that I hate about baseball my game so much is we've gotten so analytic centric and so numbers centric. Sports is always, 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 always one more, always going to be about momentum and feel and gut and, and, and flow. And you always have to feel that the first field goal. I was surprised he didn't kick the 48 yard or the, was the first one, the 48 or the 45, 48, the 48. The second one, I was shocked he didn't kick. The second one, it almost seems stubborn. You have to kick the field goals. And really, what he did, by the way, if you watched all the coverage of it, you know who he helped a great deal? Josh Reynolds. He got Josh Reynolds off the hook. Josh Reynolds had two gigantic drops. The one, the fourth down play, ball was a little behind him, but you make that catch. He had it in both hands. You got to make that catch. 
the later one on the third down play, the long crosser, I'm not sure how an NFL player drops that pass. And I, and I know it's a game of it, it's it's a game of human error, but that was a gigantic drop, and that was right in the breadbasket, man. So I thought that one was the the how do you drop that one? But again, both those drops, uh, the, the Gibbs fumble, there was an awful lot of human error. One nobody's talking about. The punter had this cannon punt that all you had to do was slow down and catch it and down it at the one-yard line, and the guy carried it into the end zone. That right. was a really big play. Yeah. No one's talking about that, but that was a – so Dan Campbell messed up, and that is the story of the game and should be. You've got to kick the field goals or at least attempt them. Might not have made them, but you have to at least attempt the field goals. That's the story of the game. But I thought the, the game got a little big. The moments got a little big for the Lions players too. And at the end of the day, that's why they lost the game. And, and again, that's why I think if you're Dan Campbell, you've got to put analytics aside and say, what is the, the best thing for my club here? And, and look, you could miss the field goal. I, I get that. But it's in, in today's NFL world, a 46-yard field goal, you know, you're probably looking at, what would you guess, 78% chance of making it? Very high, uh, or I more, would say, or, or more. more. I mean, NFL, so, yeah. I, you know, it, to me, a team is most vulnerable going from being down two possessions to three possessions in a second half. So the, a lot of times a field goal, I think, doesn't do you a lot of good. It's, it's most valuable when it takes you from 14 to 17. And that is what he passed up on. And when he did that and they didn't get it, then I think it opens up the door. You have Ayuk catch the ball that was deflected off the defender's face mask, and, uh, and, and it just snowballs. And, again, we, we – We've all seen it. It happened to the Jaguars in Foxborough in 2018. It was just a litany of close call mistakes. Nothing that rose to the level of what the mistakes the Lions had, but just just being an inch or two off here and there, and instead of converting on third down, you're punting back to New England. And it was the same thing here, just uh, at, a, at a more um, magnified level because the errors were the Josh Reynolds drop uh, was one of the worst that I've seen this season. I obviously you'd like to think you open camp in late July that Gibbs and Goff know where to go for a handoff exchange, but they didn't. Uh, that results in a fumble. You mentioned the uh, the uh, punt cover uh, that obviously you're surprised by the distance of the kick, but he certainly had time to collect himself and make absolutely sure that he did not go into the end zone, doesn't do it. Uh, so, so there were a lot of, of player error involved as well. But I think if you kick the field goal, you go up 17. Again, assuming you make it, you're up 17. Uh, you've gotten a score to start the second half. Uh, you've put the pressure right back on San Francisco, who opened uh, the second half with their own field goal. So you've basically now played the, uh, the half of the third quarter, and San Francisco hasn't been able to get uh, cut into the lead at all. And so that's, that's why you kick the field goal there. And uh, it was a mistake, and unfortunately, it was a big reason I think why the Lions are going home. And and again, I, I just, to me, it's with where we are with analytics. It's almost like the people that believe in analytics would rather there needs to be a human coach because they human coach has to motivate the players, has to practice, they have to go over things. So we need the human coach for that. But once we get to game day and we actually kick off, what we really need is not a coach. What we need is a computer that will put a headset on and the computer can run every play 
and and de- and determine every sequence because they would have you believe that's the best way to win a football game, which is just preposterous. It's just absolutely preposterous. But that's the scam that they're trying to <laughs> perpetrate on the game. I mean, th- th- honestly, it's it, I, I don't the analytics people. Why would you need a human coach? What what is the benefit of a human coach if if basically what you're saying is every decision needs to be ma- based on computer probability? Yeah, I certainly can't answer that question because to me, there were times in yesterday's game, last night's game, that it was obvious that the 49ers, not just the momentum because they're at home field, the team is starting to get more confident in themselves and you're putting your defense back out there to try and stop them in a short field position. So, Frank, what I want to know, and I know we're going to talk about the Jaguars roster later, but do you think Doug Peterson learned anything yesterday from Dan Campbell going for it? Because there have been times, certainly throughout the Jaguars yeah. seasons, that Doug Peterson elects to go for it. But too. let me say this, because everyone's ta- I saw a lot of that on Twitter. Oh, did you? Okay. Okay. I don't think Doug went for it on fourth a lot. What never as risky as that was. I can think of three or four times this past year. Now, a couple times Brandon McManus missed the kick. That they that they they attempted field goals on fourth and one or fourth and two. I, I, there's two or three times that jumped to mind that, that I don't, it wasn't, every field goal wasn't fourth and 11 or more. So, yes, Doug would rather go for it. Doug's not about analytics. Doug's just a bit of a riverboat gambler, and he believes in his offense, and he's an offensive guy, and he's been a longtime play caller. But there's times Doug went for it that I would have kicked the field goal. I've said that. But nothing, nothing in my mind, nothing as egregious as yesterday. But yeah, I, came to, I think that went that way through everybody's mind. Is, is, is it similar to what? Kind of gone on with the Jaguars. Yeah, know when to to trust your instincts, and that is to kick the field goal, get the points, and put yourself in a better position, which in the end I do wonder how Lions fans today are feeling about Dan Campbell. They loved him all season, but he, he certainly made decisions that led to them losing the football game. He's the guy that got you there. I think that it's very important to realize that he's the reason your team got there. And, and so, so but, it, but yeah, he, there were some errors. There, there were clearly some errors there. Um, let's stay on that game. We'll get to the other game after the break. Um, Brock Purdy was good. Brock, I, I, I never realized he was that athletic. I mean, he's a good runner. Yeah, forty-eight yards. I mean, and he, and I mean, he is a good runner and knows when to run. Stays alive in the pocket. Brock Purdy is a really good player. I, I think lost in all this, and this is one of the things I think when we had Denny in last week that he was so frustrated by, and I get it now, even now more. We just want to say he's just game manager that that anybody could play quarterback for the 49ers, and they've got so many good players. He was – Brock Purdy in that game was 20 of 31 for 267 yards and a touchdown. Did throw the one pick. He ran five times for 48 yards, as you just said, Hayes. But they were timely runs, man. It's not like you had all 48 yards in the first quarter when nothing was happening. Yeah, they were backbreakers. Backbreakers if you were rooting for the Lions. He's a good player. Um it's really interesting. I, I that game, and and I will say this, they've turned Jared Goff into a really good Ben Johnson, Mark Brunel, the whole staff up there. Jared Goff was good. Jared Goff was twenty five of forty one, minus the drops, you know, and and I and I will tell you, he was he was good. It was a good game. The question I now have is the one thing Campbell said afterwards. This might be our only. This might have been our only shot. Well, I didn't like that. Everyone said he was very transparent, very honest there. Maybe he's trying to motivate his guys. But I want to think, listen, 
We've, we, we've created something here now. We expect to be back there next year and next year and next year. We're going to kick the damn door down. Remember Bum Phillips? We're going to knock on the door so many times we're ultimately going to kick it down. I didn't like that it might have been our only chance. Even if that's correct, I didn't think that was that, – that bothered me. Yeah, and, and, again, that's the nature of the league. But uh, but I, I would agree with you. I, I think it's – and who knows what he, you know, is going to tell them today at, at their final uh, team meeting of the year. But uh, clearly they're close. Maybe it's just don't take – don't take it for granted. Don't assume that since we made it this far, we're going to make it back, which I would say is sort of the antithesis of what the Jaguars had last season because there was very much a sense of, well, now this is our birthright that we're going to get right. back into the playoffs every year and the division's ours. And, uh, and, you know, and so maybe, I don't know. I mean, again, maybe that's Dan Campbell. I'm sure the Jaguars have sort of been a team that they've kind of at least kept somewhat of an eye on because – Obviously, they were 1-2 in the draft two years ago. They had joint practices this year. So, obviously, the Lions There's felt some like in the, the Jaguars yeah. were on a similar path. And, uh, you know, and they may look at it and say, look, the Jaguars, they didn't get to the uh, conference title game, but got the divisional round last year and then sort of thought that they'd be right back there and they didn't make the tournament. So, uh, maybe, maybe part of that, uh, again, I would imagine his – you know, his, his uh, final speech to them whenever today or this afternoon, whenever it's going to be delivered, would be one of, you know, there's no guarantee we're going to get back, but there's no reason we shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the, with yeah, their yeah. draft class and, I mean, if they have another strong offseason, I mean, it's, you know, they're probably going to lose Ben Johnson and that's going to be difficult to overcome. But, you know, certainly I think I think the Lions are, are going to be pretty much picked by everybody to at least make the playoffs next year. And a lot of them will – uh, a lot of experts will believe they're going to win the uh, NFC North. Yeah, I think Frankie said that because he was trying to still defend his decision. Like, the reason I'm going for it on fourth down several times, You're right. even though you, people disagree and I'm going to get asked about it, is you're only going to get this opportunity potentially once in a lifetime. And I do think the Lions are a team that they have a ton to build on. I don't think there was any questions about Jared Goff, which I think people did have coming into the last couple of seasons. He's their guy. He's yeah. their guy. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll get to the uh, early game. What a game it was. The Chiefs and Ravens, in my mind, did not disappoint. The Chiefs, the Chiefs move on again. We'll discuss it after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Always a Best Bet Monday here on The Frangie Show. Big game specials and giveaways at all Best Bet locations coming up on Sunday, February 11th during the big game that will feature the 49ers and the Chiefs. The Chiefs did win the AFC Championship game over the Ravens. Frank, Seems like this game pretty much boiled down to the Chiefs did enough. Their defense certainly got after Lamar Jackson, and the Ravens got away from the run game. Yeah, and I thought Steve Spagnuolo was the star of the game, the the Chiefs defensive coordinator, Lauren. I thought he, I thought he took away the run and covered, and because they covered, I thought the Ravens' pass pro was pretty good. I, I thought Lamar Jackson had a lot of time. There was nobody open. I thought, look, I can remember early in the year. The Chiefs were struggling. They couldn't get the offense going. The receiving core had, had dissipated for the most part. And they asked Patrick Mahomes after one of the wins, hey, blah, 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 your offense, can you get it going? 
But you have to feel good about your defense. And, he, and Mahomes goes, we're the best defense in the league. He said, nobody talks about that because everyone talks about our offense. We're the best defense in the league. They might have it. Forget the numbers. They might have the best defense. I think they're, they're – weren't they second in the league in scoring defense? Something like that, right? They're high. He, they may have the best defense. In the, and that was and, – and they they played they, – they took away the run and they covered. And Lamar Jackson made some yards on the ground. He rushed for 54 yards, but he didn't kill him with the run. He had the 121-yarder, but he didn't kill him with the run. Um, the Ravens had the top-scoring defense. Chiefs were second. Yeah, they were, they were second in the league in scoring defense. You knew that, you know how good the Ravens were. But here's the magical part to me about that, Hayes. Patrick Mahomes in that game was 30 of 39. 30 of 39 for 241. A touchdown, no picks. A rating of over 100. Against the best defense in the league with as pedestrian a receiving core as there is in the NFL. That's the thing to me. Now, Travis Kelsey's a great player, and he made some big-time catches in that game. 11 for 116, but he made it, that doesn't even say how many great catches he made. But other than that, that's as pedestrian a receiving core as there is in the National Football League. If you ranked – take tight ends away. If you ranked wide receiver rooms in the league, where would that come in? 24th? I'd say lower. Or lower. Or lower than 24th. It's as pedestrian – and with that receiving core, with that receiving core, this cat was 30 of 39 against the best defense in the league. I know they only scored 17 points, but you get the point. They controlled the game. The greatness of Patrick Mahomes cannot be overstated. It really can't. And, and he set the tone. I mean, Mahomes and Kelsey, it, it, it's amazing to me how they can be at that high a level right as a game starts. Right. I mean – the plays that Mahomes and Kelsey were making, they were extraordinary. And they set it, they absolutely set the tone for the rest of the game. I mean, yeah, if you had told the Ravens, uh, you know, yesterday morning that in the second half the Chiefs were going to go punt, 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 uh, they probably would have been really happy about that. Um, the Chiefs don't score in the second half. Of course, they hit the big pass. Uh, to Valdez Scantling to to wrap things up, but they didn't really do anything uh, offensively in in the second half. I, the Ravens, John Harbaugh said it. You know, halftime. I think we've gotten our bearings, and he was right. You know about that. It, it took the Ravens a couple of possessions to settle in. And again, I mean, Mahomes and Kelsey made some plays that were just basically you couldn't defend. Uh, third down conversions, fourth down conversions, back shoulder throws into the end zone. Uh, throws where Mahomes is getting hit low and Kelsey somehow contorts his body to to get the reception. I mean, just unbelievable plays that to be able to do that to start a game is just extraordinary. Like, whoever ends up presenting uh, Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame uh, candidacy, like, and obviously he's going to get in, no questions asked, but, you know, you have to present. Like, just show them the first two drives of that game. Right. Like, and say, you don't think this guy's a Hall of Fame player? I mean, that is that is a Hall of Fame player. That is what a Hall of Fame player looks like. And, uh, you know, and then obviously the Ravens just disintegrated. I mean, they they had every chance to win the game. Uh, Zay Flowers fumbles at the goal line. Uh, if it's first and goal from the one, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Baltimore scores a touchdown. So now you're down three. Uh, maybe Lamar doesn't feel the need to press and throw into triple coverage. Uh, to likely. So the Ravens have no one but themselves to blame. Not to the Chiefs' credit, 
not only was Mahomes and Kelsey spectacular early, and yes, they played great defense, they also don't make any mistakes. Like, there's something to be said for, we're not going to give you anything. If you beat us, you beat us. But we're not going to contribute to that. And the Chiefs just don't make any mistakes. It starts with Mahomes, who you mentioned is 39 attempts against the league's best defense. None of those 39 attempts were ever in any danger of being turnovers. So his awareness and instinct is every bit as good as his uh, ability to throw a football. I mean, it's just it's, – it's remarkable. And I'm shocked they're an underdog against San Francisco. I mean, obviously, we've got two weeks to get into that. I'll take them right now. I, I, the I'll Chiefs – yeah. I'll I, take – write me down. Yeah. Do you, I mean, you want to wait for that Friday for my pick? Yeah. I'll tell you. I, I mean, I think it'll be a great game, and I'm excited to have a Super Bowl where the line the is that right close. Now? Definitely take the Chiefs. Take them right now. Write me down for the Chiefs right now. Same. I was dumb, and I picked the Ravens to beat the Chiefs because they were at home, and I thought maybe the Chiefs' magic was going to come to an end, but clearly I'm, I was wrong because Mahomes is going to will his team to win, and that's why, yeah, you would take the Chiefs from the 49ers, I think, and so I was surprised to see the line open up at 49ers being favored two and, by two and a half. Also, there's something to Andy Reid. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's great and all, but Andy Reid makes, unlike Dan Campbell, makes all the right decisions when he needs to. And Spags um, will confuse Purdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, he's Purdy so did almost have a couple interceptions. The um, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time, and there's obviously that's indisputable. I got to tell you, and this is we're all guilty of the recency bias, and we try to guard against it. I've watched I've watched more football I've watched football longer than anybody anybody around here anybody you know I, I mean I'm I'm the old guy the old guy gets has watched it more because I got to tell you other than Brady he might be better than all of them man he might be better than Montana and Unitas and Marino and Elway and and Manning and and he's I'm, unquestionably yeah. unquestionably better at 28 years old. Yeah, yeah. Well, then, then, I, even I mean, Brady. then even Brady. But, oh, but by, a, by a mile. But I'm and imagine you, giving him like a Justin Jefferson. Yeah, well, that's right. But I, but very good point. But I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, other than Brady, and I hate to do, I hate to be that guy, but because it's so, because it's, 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 I'm so guilty of recency bias, and I know that, and I, and I thought about that before I ever said this. He might be better than all. He might be better than than Montana and yeah. Elway and Marino and you. He might be better than Unitas. He, he might. He, he might be. Here, here's how I would answer it. If if the football gods came down and said, Hayes, we're going to put you in charge of a football team, and we're going to uh, pretend we're in some like Marvel yeah. Comics universe or something <laughs> where like time changes, and uh, we've opened this portal. It's going to be a brand new football Is league. Paltrow All there? the players, sure. Like Iron uh, yeah, Man. Well, okay. Of course, he's there. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to start football. You have all this knowledge, but no one else is going to have it. So when you start to build your team, who do you want from scratch? If, if we're all starting it, it's scratch. I would take Patrick Mahomes over Tom Brady. Yeah. I would, too, because of not just his athleticism, but he does things that I don't ever remember Tom Brady doing. Brady was excellent, of course. We, we know how much of a dagger he can put against teams, but he – wasn't a guy I feel like that could ever, if you absolutely had to have him run the football on third well, down, could do that. Well, the game changed too. Now the game, the game became a game where you need athletic quarterbacks, which it wasn't when Brady started, and certainly wasn't when Unitas and Montana and all those guys played. So I'm I'm talking about just effectiveness in within their era. I still would take them. Yeah. Probably not ahead of Brady, but I would probably take him ahead of. And I mean, just I mean, again, 
And know this, and again, this is because my dad told me all this, all right? When Unitas played in the 50s and the 60s, there was nobody else that played like that. It was like Michael Jordan. It, he, he, he made throws that they laughed about. My, my dad would say they laughed about how, how a quarterback could make those throws. So I'm just telling you, he, he said that nobody else could do that stuff. Just like when Jordan came around, nobody else could do that stuff. But I think this guy, nobody else can do that stuff. And it's just, and, and I'm telling you, it's just. Uh, and and Brady is the greatest to ever do it. I, I'm not saying Mahomes has yeah, no, got you. a better legacy, right? But I'm telling you, I think he will eclipse it. He might, and man. and I and there's no doubt he's better at the age of 28 than Brady was when he was 28. Now the key for Mahomes is can he be as brilliant as Brady was, you know, age 35 through 42? But but he may not need to do that to eclipse well, him. Well, to your he, point, yeah, to your he point. may he may be there by to your, 35. To your point. I know I've told this story a bunch, but I'm watching this guy who's mic'd up in the, this might be 1980, early 80s, okay, somewhere there in mid, late 70s, I don't know, but he's, he's, a, he's an old coach, but he's, he's one of these real charismatic type A guys, and everybody wanted him as their speaker at basketball clinics, basketball, he, was, he went to every basketball clinic, basketball camp, and someone, who's the greatest player of all time? Oscar Robert, uh, Bill Russell, uh, who's the greatest player, uh, Julius, uh, this, this, who's great? And everyone weighed him. And he goes, and then he yells at the top of his voice, stop. Will Chamberlain's the greatest, and there will never be another. He scored 100 in a game. He averaged 50 in a game. Uh, you looked up the, the whatever. There, there'll never be, nobody will ever be better, ever, ever, ever. Stop talking. Stop having conversations. Well, Jordan's better. Jordan's better. Jordan, Jordan, I still think Will Chamberlain's the second best player of all time. But Jordan's better. So to your point about Mahomes, we've all said there will never be another, never be another. He might be better, he, and we don't know. He's got a lot to do, but it, it's I mean, if he wins, beats the 49ers, he's got three at, at, in, at, at twenty eight. At twenty eight. At yeah. twenty eight. Yeah, it's, it's so and he and he's now really doing it with, to your point earlier, a, a cast that is not an embarrassment of riches right. by any stretch of the imagination. He has a Hall of Fame tight end, and that's it. And that's it. I mean that. I mean that's really it. I mean the running backs are decent. Rice but, could develop. He's a nice rookie receiver, but. I mean, if if he's if you're throwing him out as your that's my best receiver. That's right. If you he, don't have a very good core, that's that's exactly right. So uh, it, it, the the greatness of Patrick Mahomes is pretty astounding. And you know, Suzanne, and I were talking about this because, as I said, my wife for the first time in her life watched back to back games, the whole thing. She says, "Is he a good guy?" I, th- I think he is. I know you get tired of the commercials and all. But I think he's a pretty good dude. I, I think the way he talks about other quarterbacks, the way he respect, the way he went on and on about Josh Allen last week. I think yeah. he's a good guy. I think he's a little bit of a whiner, but yeah. I think I think yeah. he is a good person. Yeah, I think he, he's a hard guy. That. He's a hard guy not to like, you know. And so, so the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, uh, the greatness of the Chiefs. It's uh, kind of easy, I think, or it's becoming even more so to not like Travis Kelsey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, remember now. That, was that, the that best. has nothing to do that with That was honestly Swift. the best first half I think I've ever seen a tight end <laughs> Me too, yeah. me too. I mean, uh, it was unbelievable yeah. the remember, remember now, made. Kelsey's always been a hothead. Remember when he got ejected from the Jaguar game yeah. mm-hmm. four or five years ago? He just got ejected from the game for being a jerk, you know? So, so but anyway, it, it was uh, – Like so throwing the, Justin Tucker's stuff pregame, like the, yeah. possibly the greatest yeah. kicker in the NFL they were both has ever had, like, yeah. and you do that, like – and then – he, I feel like, could have gotten called at times for some of the stuff he was doing. He didn't. Ravens players did. By the way, the worst late hit that got away was James Houston Yeah. on Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. How was that not called? That yeah. should have been a 30-yard penalty. So, um, But anyway, the greatness of, of Mahomes, Andy Reid, uh, that, that San Francisco team that was that with all the trade, Chase Young there, uh, I mean, with all the, the deals they made, 
These two teams are built to do this. Yeah, I mean, the These Trey Lance deal blew apart in their face. And it never even, didn't matter. didn't even slow them down. Didn't even slow them down. So this, these two teams are built to do this. It's going to be a fantastic Super Bowl. Marquee teams, marquee logos. Uh, the team of today versus the team of the 80s. Uh, it, traditional uniforms, bright red on both uniforms. Playing in Las Vegas. I mean, it'll be a Super Bowl for the – it'll be a Super Bowl lead-up to the ages. We'll see if the game measures up, but it'll be a Super Bowl build-up for the ages. It really will. I do hope the winning team scores in the second half of the yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah. That would be uh, at least fun to watch. But I will say I felt old when I read Brock Purdy said he's been watching Patrick Mahomes since he was in high school. Yeah, he I, <laughs> Like, Mahomes just got here not that long ago. And, and by the way, did you know the, the, the whole Jared Goff – I know he grew up in the Bay Area. He went to Cal – Where's 16 because he's a Montana fan? I didn't know that story. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they, they said Jared Goff is, grew up in the Bay Area. His whole dream was to one day be Joe Montana. That's why he wears 16, which is kind of a cool story. All right, we'll take a break. I want to come back. One more NFL thing. So what did the Jaguars learn from this? What, where did the Jaguars head? What can we take from watching our team or as we watch our team and get set to watch our team again after what we watched over the weekend? That's next. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. They drawing up little badlands on a Monday, huh? Carline, Brooks, huh? Any good? I don't know why you sing so quietly when you sing. Just sing alongside Bruce. Great. Badlands, Badlands sneaky. The top ten Springsteen songs. Sneaky. Yeah. Yep. Top ten Springsteen songs. The uh, Monday shows are always brought to you by our friends at the Best Bet. 24K Day at Best Bet is Friday, February 9th, giving away $24,000. That. 24,000 from 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. all day long. So uh, head to Best Bet Jacksonville on February 9th. We sure appreciate our friends from the Best Bet, our sponsor every Monday, always a Best Bet Monday here on the uh, program. Frangie and Carline, uh, Lauren Brooks, R.J. Saunders with you. So here's what I took out of it. And we've said it all along, but it emphasized it. Man, you have to be good at the trenches, man. You have to be tough and physical. And I'll say this about the Detroit Lions. That's how they built that thing. You know, that, that, that really, if you look, you think about it, Amon St. Brown and Jamison Williams are good players. Josh Reynolds is better than the guy that dropped a few balls. Now, the two backs are really good. But, but, and Jared Goff's a guy that was failed at another franchise. But they're good, and their secondary is just okay. But they're good because they're physical, man. They built the lines of scrimmage, and that's why they're good. The 49ers, that's their identity. That's the identity of the football team. I, the Ravens, obviously, that's the identity. The Steelers, all those years, that's the identity. The Titans, at their best, that was the identity. And you know what? That has not been the Chiefs' identity. The Chiefs' identity has been Mahomes to Kelsey. But it should be because that's a tough physical football team. And the Chiefs learned when their offensive line was beat up and they lost to the Bucks in the Super Bowl that they had to that's get right. more physical on the offensive that's line. That's exactly right, and they did. I will tell you. If there's one thing all teams, not just Jaguars, right? and, I, and like, like we say this, like Falky and Doug don't know this. Of course they do. But if there's one thing we as fans who just watch can learn or have reminded uh, to us, 
man, you have to be good at the line of scrimmage. You have to be freaking physical. That's tough nose physical football teams, and that's what I took out of that really in this whole playoffs, but certainly uh, yesterday afternoon and yesterday and last night. Yeah, I mean, again, as it relates back to the Jaguars, their their issues are not overly difficult to solve. You have the quarterback. Uh, you just have to get bigger and more physical, and, you know, they, they have the ammunition to do that, and, and you have to think that's where they're going. I mean, again, Trent Baalke for, uh, you know, for what it's worth at his press conference made it very clear that you got to get bigger, they've got to get stronger, and uh, if that's the emphasis, then maybe they can close the gap a little bit there because it's it's just I mean, that's just that's just football. That's always been football. It's 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 a game of who is tougher along the lines of scrimmage. I mean, it just it's just hard to win that game. It's a gladiator sport, and it's hard to win it without being the bigger team. Uh, normally, the bigger team is is going to win, and I obviously it's it it's not as sizzling as. Uh, the other positions, but you got to run and you got to stop the run. And again, the Jaguars, I mean, how they won nine games, running it for 3.6 a carry and giving up 4.2 a carry, that's that that's a number that would indicate that team should have been 6 and 11. You made that point the other day. Uh, I didn't think about it until you said it. That is a really good point. That's a really good point. I mean, you shouldn't be able to win many games if those are your numbers. Per, your, your yards per carry on both sides of the ball. So you got you got to be physical, man. You got to be physical. Yeah, and I think if the Ravens could do it over again, I think Todd Munkin would call some more, you know, designed runs, whether it's handing it off to the running backs, which they didn't do very often. They did it six times total in the game. Or if that's Lamar trying to run it more, there's a lot I'm sure that in Baltimore today they're questioning. Uh, Last year the Super Bowl featured the Chiefs and the Eagles, who between the two of them led the NFL in sacks. This year, so the Ravens led the NFL in sacks. Chiefs were second, and the 49ers are seventh. So you still have to be, as far as the defensive side of the ball, you still have to be really good at getting after the quarterback. But that's part of being physical. Correct. I mean, I mean, it's not just pass rushers aren't just thin guys who outrun the, the offensive tackle. It's tough. It's physical. If you look at these two teams, you know who the best defensive lineman was for the for the two best defensive linemen? The two maybe, I won't say the two best defensive players, but certainly two of the best defensive players in that game, in that first game. Or linemen, not edge. It was Matabuke and Chris Jones. They might have been the two best for this season. Right, might have been the two best defensive players in the game. And they're big, tough, physical guys. They're not two hundred and thirty-eight pound edge guys that run around people. They're freaking physical guys, man. That's a tough. It's so, so and they're intimidating. The there's a there's a brand of of whether it's an offensive lineman or defensive lineman that is super physical, and that person's intimidating. I don't know that this Jaguars offensive line and defensive line had guys like that. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if it was, if I was Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson and that personnel staff, I would, I'm not saying you don't try and get better everywhere, but man, oh man, Hayes, I would be, and I know we say it, I would be so focused on veteran linemen. I mean, Jason Kelsey's a free agent. I mean, Kevin Zeitler, who's a good player, is a free agent. I, 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 I would be tempted to go older and tougher and physical. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I would go after. That's what I would do: physical uh, in volume on both sides of the ball. I, mean, I know you can't sign every free agent. I get it, but you have more cap space than you had last year when you really had none. I would do that. And it does help that I mean it's positions that you know aren't in 
every, it's in demand, but not to right. the level of, it's not of some edge of these and others. That's right. Yeah, and, and even so tackle, right tackle. Right, yeah, I right. mean they should be able to you know get a new center, get a new right guard, get a new defensive tackle. Like those three acquisitions, and they could go with with they could get two defensive tackles. But if they if they viewed it and said what we really need, or we've got to have a new center, we've got to have a new right guard, and we've got to have a replacement for Fatakasi. If those are your three big things with the free agent money that they have, which isn't a ton, but it's enough to go get two of those three needs filled at a, at a good level, and then you got the 17th pick, and, and obviously you got your second rounder as well, then, yeah, they have the pieces, that he's, but got to pick the right guy, which has been an issue. Uh, and, and, you know, even if you, if you don't get the best guy, even if the front office makes a mistake, can the coaches still develop them into at least something, which last year neither happened. Like they can sit there and point fingers at each other. They're both to blame. That's the whole thing here. It's not a Trent Baalke problem, and it's not a Doug Peterson press Taylor problem. They're both problems. Both of them are. And so uh, it's a failure to identify the right players to pick. It's also a failure to develop the players into being something that resembles a productive player. You think the running back room stays exactly the same from 2023 to 2024? I don't. Um, yeah, maybe not exactly. I think I think ETN and Tank Bigsby are going to be on the team. I'd be very surprised if they're not. Um, both high draft picks. Travis is a good player. They, I, I can tell you they still have high hopes for Bigsby. Yeah, I guess that you would probably – you could certainly – Upgrade from Dearness Johnson. You could upgrade. Is Snoop Connor still there? Is he still around? I don't think so. You, you could. You yeah, could, he's not there. And yeah. and, you I, could, you and Johnson up, may get a decent yeah, yeah. look in free yeah, agency you, you somewhere. Could. But I but I would think, I don't think that's the problem. I think Travis Etienne is a damn good player. I think he's a. Re- I think Travis Etienne with a good line, and 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 a and a healthy offense is a. I mean, is a. Re- I think he's a really good. He's a top something running back. Eh? So I think you're good there. And I think Bigsby's going to be okay. I, I, I've said this before. I think the running back room, the receiver room, if Ridley comes back, the linebacker room, the secondary is pretty good. The edges are pretty good. I mean, one of them had 17 and a half sacks. The other had 10. You know, I, I, I think the problem is the interior of those two lines. The Devon Hamilton thing couldn't be helped. Um, the inside of the interior of the offensive line didn't play well at all. And I, I think that, I mean, there's – if you get if you get more physical there, I, I like where they are in a lot of spots. I really do. I, I again, they were nine and eight. They weren't four and thirteen. They were nine and eight, and they were nine and eight. To Hayes' point, Hayes, you that's the best stat I've heard of how physical they weren't. the the best The best metric. Read it one more time. They yards per carry when they had the ball. Three point six yards per carry when the other guy had the ball. Four point two. That is that's about as good a metric of physicality, isn't it? That, that, that was a great stat. That's about as good a metric of, of, of physicality as there is. There's probably not a better one than, than what you just read out. So to be 9-8 and eight with that metric of physicality, so we've got to come up with some sort of a stat. We'll call it the Hayes stat, okay, that, that it tells you whether or not your team's physical or not. That's the stat, and that tells you they weren't physical, doesn't it? Doesn't that stat? And so, yeah, I think you fix that. I like where, what I think they would be, if they, but they got to fix that. They got to fix that, and again, it's it's a little bit of of a different deal next year because of the quirky schedule formula. So now, in you know, they had a very favorable home to road schedule this past season. Now it it gets it flips. So now you play seven games in Jacksonville, nine games that are true road games, 
and you've got your one game in London, so that's incredibly difficult. Seven home games here, ten games where you're traveling. So, you know, there's things that, that are going to factor in next year that, that didn't this year. But, yeah, and if, I, I can't imagine that won't get addressed. And then it's just a question of do you, do you pick the right guys? The good news is if they do elect to go interior, offensive, or defensive lineman at 17, the offensive line, you're getting the best guy on the board. I mean, instead of taking the fifth or sixth best receiver, right. you would be getting the best center or right guard in the draft. And then, uh, and you know, if they elected to go defensive tackle, I think you'd be getting one or two based on the early boards. So, you know, that that's that's a good thing. It's, it's really – it's one of the reasons why the teams that are in the back half of drafts tend to stay good because there's always players that fall because maybe they didn't run the fastest 40 or, or whatever. Kyle Hamilton's a perfect example of this. Like, he's now – one of the best players, defensive really players player. in the league. In the league, no question. Well, he fell because of a bad 40 and things. But the teams that are in that back half of the draft, when those guys fall, they say, all right, we'll take them. And they almost always are rewarded for it. A lot of times they'll say, you know what, instead of taking the sixth best edge guy, we'll take the best center or the best offensive guard. And, and a lot of times it works out because that player ends up being a star. And while it may not be as impactful a position, if you're getting a special player, anytime you get a special player anywhere, it's going to obviously have a dramatic impact on your team. So it's 17 where they are. No reason to think they won't be able to address uh, and, and with the free agency uh, money that they'll have available. No reason they can't address these things. It's just a question of will they get it right. We'll take a break. When we come back, I'll tell you a little bit about hoops. I was down in Gainesville on uh, Saturday. That was fun. More in a moment. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. So on uh, Saturday, went down with a couple buddies to the Gator basketball game. First time at Exact Tech. What a fantastic arena. It looks like a little NBA arena. They reduced the size, so it seats 10-5 now rather than the 12. It doesn't have the Teflon roof feel to it anymore, which allows them now to have the big square scoreboard in the middle of the place. Uh, The concourses. Yeah, it, it is so nice. You feel like you really feel like you're in a little NBA arena. Yet it's tight. It's got a good college basketball feel to it. And uh, and it was a heck of a game. Florida almost it would have been one of the great collapses of all time. They blew a 21 point second half lead, and Georgia took them to overtime, and Florida found a way to win the game. So a bunch of thoughts. Number one, one thing that stood out. Walked down on the floor for a little bit. Florida is. Really big. It's as tall and long as they have been since the since the back-to-back national title team. What made that team so good, until, in addition to being skilled, they had 6'11 Noah and 6'10 Horford, and they both had long arms. You know, they were, they were long. Chris Richard was 6'9, and I'm telling you, Ken Logton and Condon and Tyree Samuel, they are big guys, man. Now, I don't mean brawny, but they are tall and long. I remember when we were there this past year at, at the spring game, 
And Todd Golden came and sat with us, and I asked him, I said, man, last year you were small. When, when um, Castleton got hurt, you're playing 6'4", 6'4", and 6'8", up front. And he, I don't know if you remember him saying that. He said, listen, a hallmark of our team at San Francisco was size. We were never small. Our hallmark was size and shooting. Well, Ben, he, he fixed that. They are really long. There's a reason they're whatever they are in the nation in offensive rebounding. They are really good at that. And to your point, Lauren, before the game, they needed those guards to shoot. Poland and Clayton are big-time players. They are big-time players. Chris Richard had a, a good first uh, – Will Richard. Will Richard had a good first half. Uh, didn't do much in the second half. He had a real good game against Mississippi State. Uh, Kugel's lost. He's just totally lost. He's a great athlete. He'd be a great wide receiver. He reminds me of Scotty Lewis. Playing at 6'5", jump out of the gym, looks perfect, great body, great athletic, doesn't know what. He, you can tell he's lost when he gets the ball. He hesitates. He's not sure whether to pass it. Uh, so what he winds up doing is holds it, holds it, holds it, then makes a drive into traffic, either turns it over or fires a 1,000-mile-an-hour no-look pass that goes off someone's hands. He just doesn't have he has, doesn't have the knack. We've seen that, but seeing it up close, you can really see it. What's strange to me is Riley Kugel last year played quickly and smartly, and so he regressed. He did, clearly did. Scotty Lewis, I don't think, ever was as good as freshman Riley Kugel was at the end of last year. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And he, But he just uh, he looked lost. Last year they weren't very good, so he had to do all the scoring, so he was more confident to shoot because nobody else could. I thought was these these two guards, Pullen and Clayton, are good players. They are very good players. So, and I'll say this: George is pretty good. This Melendez guy, who he's been a backup, boy, was he good? I mean, he's got about as good a form as you'll see shooting the ball. And, and people are saying, "Well, he's not good." You, you're wrong, Frank. He's not good. You must not watch. Okay, I don't watch a lot of Georgia basketball. I watched one game, and one guy said on Twitter, "He's really not that good." He went for 35. If you go for 35 in an SEC game, you're good. You may have, you may not, you may not be consistent, but he could really shoot it. Georgia plays. It was a typical Mike White team. They wouldn't have been good offensively if he didn't go off. But they're tough, and they 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 they're not super talented, but they're tough. And they it, it was a good game, man. It was a back and forth game. I uh, it was it was two. In any other SEC, they'd be two of the better teams. It's just this damn SEC is so good. This is the best the Southeastern Conference has been in basketball ever, ever. In, in the history of the league, which started in 1933, 90 years ago, it's never been, I'm telling you, it's never been this deep in basketball, forever. And so it's a, it's a tough league. But Florida's got a chance. It, the crowd was great. The place was packed. Uh, they play hard. Uh, they they, they got to find shooting. I love the guards. The, the big guys are big. They're not super skilled. The, the most skilled is Condon. Condon, and there's a second game in a row, he had two big boy free throws at the end of the game. So, fun watch for the Gators. Uh, what do I think they are? Best case, six or seven seed. Worst case, uh, sneak in at 11. I do think they're a tournament team. And by the way, I'd rather be an 11 seed than a nine seed. Do you know that? I'd rather be an 11 Because you don't get the one. Well, if you're, an, if you're a nine seed, you play the eight, so you have an easier first game or a more winnable first game. But I don't think the difference between the six and the eight is that significant. Yeah, I agree. But the difference between the one and the three is real significant. I'd rather be an 11. Yeah, but you don't want to be one of those 11s that has the playing game. Mm-hmm. That's so right. So you want to be one of the an two 11 11s that just is That's in. right. Yeah. But um, 11 play the six, is you have as good a chance as the nine and the eight, particularly yeah. if you're coming out of the SEC. And then ch- take your chances with the three. That's right. Assuming they advance. Yeah, so I, I think I don't want to be the nine. Because if you're the nine, you're going to play the one. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think uh, in terms of – it was such an odd game. Florida strikes me as, like, being so much better. It was like, how is this happening? Well, 19 turnovers is, right. is how it happens. And, and Florida, we talked about it. They'd had 15 combined turnovers in their previous two games. And then to have 19 in, in a singular game at home is just unbelievable. And uh, I, I will say Florida got fortunate. I mean, I didn't know that they could go back and overturn the hand-logged-in tip-in. Right. So the whole time I'm, like, beside myself watching it because, I mean, it was obviously a terrible call. I didn't know that either. Um, and so, yeah, then they came back from break, and they were like, oh, by the way, Florida's now been given the bucket. They were able to review it. And, uh, and that's good. That's good for the sport that, you know, they can make that correction if, if it happens in a tournament game later. But, uh, but it ended up at the time, it didn't look like it'd be that noteworthy because I think it put Florida up 14 or 16. Uh, the other thing is, boy, Florida's lucky that they've solved their free throw shooting and Georgia was miserable. Georgia was 9 of 17 at the line. Florida was 85%, 17 of 20. So, again, for a game that went to overtime, uh, you know, that was something that Florida got lucky uh, in that sense. I, I like Florida's team. I like the way they're constructed. Now comes the real big road. Uh, Florida's 0-6 in quad one games, and they've got three great opportunities coming up to earn uh, their first quad one win. They go to Kentucky, who's 22nd in the net right now. Then they go to A&M, who's 44th. And then they have a home game against Auburn, who's 9th. And again, just how that works, a quad one win, you get credit for that if you beat a team in the net one through 30 at home. On the road, a quad one win can be one through 75. Uh, so they, so Texas A&M's 44th, and they're not going to fall out of the top 75. So that's one where if Florida is able to uh, win in College Station, that would be a quad one win that would hold up, I think, throughout the year. And then obviously at Kentucky and Auburn uh, would be ones. They're probably not going to get uh, hopefully they'll get one of those three, but um, I think they're I think they're in a good place. But they just to me they still there's still a a gear they have yet to hit, and they've been so close to it. And if they hit it, I think they're going to be incredibly dangerous. I mean I I don't know that they can get up to the six seven line uh, because I mean right now they're thirty ninth in net, so right now it's just get in. But in uh, their schedule and like you said, the conference is just so hard. I think it's going to be difficult for Florida to win five or six in a row. But uh, but I like the team. I mean, I don't know where this season's going to go, but I feel really confident Florida has their basketball coach. I mean, I like the brand of basketball. They're fun to watch offensively. And look, I, I get it. When you have a team that scores a bunch offensively, you're probably also not going to play great defense it, unless you just have an exceptional team. Uh, I'd rather have – I'd rather Florida's basketball program – have its identity being we're going to be top 15 in the scoring in, in the nation in scoring, and we hope we'll get enough stops to win the critical games we need to win. I can only imagine what the conversation would have been like on social media, on Sports Talk Airwaves, if Mike White's team had come back from that 21-point deficit and beaten Florida at home. And I do wonder if Riley Kugel's minutes continue to decrease. Uh, because of the turning the ball over at some point in time, you got to kind of send a message to him. But, I mean, Florida, the in the first – Frank, you were there, so you certainly understand how loud it was. In the first 10 minutes, you thought they were going to run away with yeah. that basketball game. They totally outplayed Georgia, and uh, and they were better than Georgia. But Georgia's pretty good. I'm telling you, Georgia's pretty good. And I watched Mississippi State the other night on TV. They're pretty good. Think about this. 
Did Mississippi, just to the eye test, if you didn't know the net or didn't, did Mississippi State look like a tournament team to you early in the week? No. They did to me. I, they, they looked like a tournament team. Mississippi State looked like a tournament team to me. Mississippi State, A&M, and LSU were tied for ninth. Florida, LSU, Florida, and Georgia are tied for seventh. They're seventh in the league. I mean, there's six teams ahead of them. It is a good league, man. Here's what I'll tell you about the league. Arkansas is 1-6 and six in the league. Vanderbilt's 0-6 in the league. Missouri's 0-7 in the league. Those three aren't very good. After that, the other 11 teams are pretty damn good. Right? That's all, they're not all 11 getting in, but they're, but they're, but they're pretty good. So the it, fact that South Carolina is 5-2 and two in the SEC, I think that to me is maybe one of the bigger surprises. And that guy's done a great job. Lamont Paris, the, he's a coach nobody knows. Lamont Paris has done a fantastic job with that team. I mean, they, but I'm not sure who all they put. They beat Kentucky, but I mm-hmm. saw Georgia beat them. And I don't know who they, I mean, so, I mean, they, they, they again, I, and I watched a little bit of that Georgia game, and so Georgia was better than South Carolina was that night. So, uh, so we'll see. I, 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 I'm like you, Hayes. I think they got the right guy. It's only been two years, and that program really did have to be rebuilt. Yeah. In this day and age, basketball always has to be rebuilt anyway. He has them eighth in, t- in scoring offense, eighth in the country. Right. In, There's like 320 teams that play Division One basketball. And of their 14 and six record, of those six losses, the losses among the losses are Kentucky, at Tennessee, Baylor, Virginia. He doesn't have a bad loss. At Ole Miss. Wake Forest is the closest to it. The Wake Forest game they should have won. But that's the closest to a bad loss. And uh no, they they've done a good job. So and here's the other thing too, one other thought about moving forward. You never know who's gonna I, I don't sense he's gonna lose guys to the portal. I, I don't I don't sense guys are gonna leave and go but I, I could be wrong, but I don't get that feel. As far as guys leaving for the league, okay, Poland's a fifth-year guy. He's he's out. Uh, Samuel's a grad grad. They're both grad transfers, so they're out. Other than that, Hen Lockton's going to come back. He's a sophomore. Condon, who's going to be the best of all of them, the best big man. He's the best big man. He'll be the best big man. He's he's the one big man to play in the NBA because the way he can shoot it, mm-hmm. the way he's almost seven feet tall. So, Hen Lockton, Condon. Possibly Clayton, who's only a junior, and I don't know if he's got an NBA game. You know, yeah, I wouldn't so, think so. Hen leaving. Hen Logton, Clayton, Condon. Well, Richard's a junior too, and he does not have an NBA game. So Richard, I mean, I think those guys are all back. Which nobody's back in college basketball. The one, the one thing you never say in college basketball is he's back next year because nobody's back next year. Mm-hmm. But I think he's got four or five that will be back. And then you've got a really good nucleus. Yeah, and, and I don't know why you would transfer if you're playing on a team that's scoring 80, yeah. you know, 85 and a half points a game. And you're playing. I mean, you're having if, fun. If I mean, you're obviously you're on the bench, you're, you've on the got, bench, you're going to transfer. But the guys that are playing. Yeah, so I would think, I would think yeah, the guys that can come back probably will. And, and, again, if they could just – they just have to get some big boy wins. They're, it, it's amazing. They're four, Florida's 14 and 6. They are 0 and 6 in quad one games and 14 and 0 in non quad one games. Is that games. right? I didn't I mean it's it's, it's 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 unheard of. And I uh, if they and again, now is is the chance. You've got three staring you right in the face coming up. They have got to get one of the next three. The, the obvious one, the most likely one you would think would be at Texas A&M. Yeah, but Auburn's struggling right now. They've and lost and it's at home. And look, I mean Auburn's gone into that building before and gotten blown out by teams that I don't think were this good. So no, I I'm not saying that that's yeah. not a Mac loss. Look, if they go two and one, then they they'll come out of that uh, solidly in the tournament. Their net would probably go from 39th to 
27th if they got uh, lost to, lost at Kentucky, but then won at Texas A&M and beat Auburn at home? So they're four and three in the league. I think they got to get to 10 wins. Do you agree with that? Yes. 10 and eight. Now, it would be nice to have some wins of significance, but I think they got to get to 10 and To eight. not have to do anything in the SEC right, tournament, right. I think. I think they have to get 10, to 10 and 8. eight. So, they, so, so they need six wins, all right? They need six wins. They play Vanderbilt twice. That's two. Missouri at home. That should be a third. LSU at home. That should be a fourth. I think that's four. So that's eight wins. Can they find two more wins when you at Georgia, at South Carolina, uh, one of the two Alabama games, home against Auburn, one of the next three, like you said. So we'll see. But, but uh, let me just say this. If you're a fan of the team, go back, and you haven't been to the arena yet, because you probably have. I'm the only idiot that hadn't. But get down there and see it, because it is a fantastic setting for basketball. I'm, I'm with Hayes. I think they got the right guy. It was, it, was, it was a fun Saturday afternoon, I can tell you that. Back to football after this. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Doors, please. Time now for the Sky Life Elite Take Flight Moment of the Week. Sky Life Elite, North Florida's premier private air charter. Here's Purdy with a lot of time. Steps into one. Launching deep, going for Brandon Ayuk. It is. Oh, he caught it off the ricochet. Penalty. Is he in? He's down to the five. We'll see what the penalty is. I'll tell you what. This is about as this is the best play they've made all day, and oh, it hit him right in the face mask. Man, give credit there to Brandon Ayuk just staying with the play and catching it off the deflection. What a moment, and uh, and what a call. Uh, thank you, RJ, for for pulling that up and uh, unbelievable play. What concentration by. Ayuk and and that was the play that that really sparked the comeback because once that happened should have been a Lions interception inside the the ten, but once it became first and goal from the four, I you, you knew the Detroit Lions were in for a uh, uh, for a big problem in the San Francisco 49ers and an incredible comeback again thanks to our friends at Sky Life Elite give them a call at four nine zero. 9332. You can also go to flyskylife.com and find them on Instagram. We take one of those charters to the Super Bowl? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Go to Craigfield, get yeah. on, take the charter, go to Vegas. I like it. We don't have to worry, worry about uh, canceled flights, unruly passengers, layovers. Oh, Sky Life Elite. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? No, we'll, yeah. we'll tell everything. Uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll just say, <laughs> let's get there and then we'll figure that part out. Yeah. So we do have the Chiefs and the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Frank, it feels like, we talked about it last week, I asked y'all, which tight end is going to have the best day of, of the four really good tight ends that were featured this past weekend? It feels like if the 49ers can contain Travis Kelsey, then they are going to have a much better chance of winning the game than if he has another 11 catches for 116 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, as weird as it sounds with the Chiefs because they've been so good offensively, but you do get the feeling that the Chiefs have to find a way to be good defensively again with Spags. Uh, coming up with something to Hayes' point earlier, can he confuse Brock Purdy? Because they, the 49ers have weapons, man. You know, they've got far more weapons than the Ravens had. The Ravens had the ultimate weapon in Lamar Jackson. But they, but but if McCaffrey's healthy, boy, he seemed fall on his head at the end, by the way. Yeah. That was, it looked like Yeah, I didn't neck. think they were going to put him back in yeah, after that. The and neck. And, and so, but, but if they have McCaffrey and Debo and Ayuk has become a really good player, and of course Kittle, uh, they got weapons, man. So, I, I, you wouldn't think you'd say this about a Chiefs team, but I think the Chiefs are the team that's got to win the 
24 to 17 game, the more than the more than the 49ers. It, it, over the years, it hasn't been that way. But I feel like I feel like the Chiefs won a game like yesterday's Ravens game. Don't you think? I would. I would absolutely think that. And it, the the thing that San Francisco is going to have to overcome is Kansas City just isn't going to give them anything. I mean, that just has become their identity. It, it's it's not so much the spectacular, although Mahomes and Kelsey early on in that game certainly were, but they just don't give you an inch. I mean, they don't make big mistakes. And uh, the 49ers certainly have struggled in there to, to their credit. They got the win, but Green Bay absolutely should have beaten them. And Detroit, I, I don't know that Detroit's better than San Francisco, uh, but they certainly had a chance to go up 17 points on them in the second half and uh, through some overly aggressive uh, decision-making lost the lead. So I, 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 it's to me, yes, the 49ers have great weapons. I just, I'm going to ride with Mahomes and, and that chief's defense and the Lawrence point, Andy Reed. I, and again, to your point that you always make Frank, San Francisco hopes they can win this game. Kansas city knows they can win this game. And my guess is they'll come out, set a tone early and it probably won't be the most exhilarating Super Bowl, but it'll be close. And Kansas City will walk out with a twenty-three to twenty win. That's the kind of game. The 49ers had to have Brock Purdy run when he did yesterday, but it Frank feels like to me because now the Chiefs already know that that's a possibility. They're going to be prepared for it. Yeah, I'm yeah, not sure that the Lions were necessarily prepared for that because Brock Purdy does, hasn't done that pretty much all season. Yeah, you, know, you always have defenses always spy Lamar. I don't think they've ever spied Brock. Probably not. But you wonder. You you want you wonder if you keep a spy on him from time to time, and that's not. I, I were you guys and I haven't watched enough Brock Purdy apparently because he's a good he's a damn good player. But were you guys surprised at how fast he was when he ran? Did, did you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, that, absolutely. That, I mean, that, I mean, and he's smart in how there's no false step. Right, like that's right. He sees the defender's back turn there, and he just goes. I uh, and so I think that helps. He looks faster than what he probably would be measured at because he's efficient. And he's decisive, and very uh, decisive. Yeah, I think it, absolutely. It's but my guess is, and in, in, uh, you know, my guess is Kansas City is going to bring some pressures at him that are going to bother him. So I, I think it's going to be hard. And this, I think Brock, Brock Purdy is is certainly a, a really talented kid, but I I think it's and this isn't an isolated comment on him. I think the Chiefs have done this all year, but I would be surprised if San Francisco, even with their weapons goes up and down the field on Kansas City. Yeah, I think the the biggest question, obviously, is going to be, is Christian McCaffrey totally healthy? And if so, how do they implement him and, and utilize him? Because there are times that we've watched him against really good defenses. He gets loose, and it's all over. And at, at first yesterday, I thought, wow, it's going to be the Lions running game that we're going to be talking about on Monday and, and how you know just punishing they were and how they utilized guys with speed. But then – the 49ers just kept at it. And they know, yeah, Long they. Game. Yeah, right. And they know their strengths, and certainly they have a great offensive line as well. Who are you rooting for? Rooting for the 49ers because I'm, I'm over the Chiefs. Who are you rooting for? I, boy, I don't like either. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I guess the Chiefs because I, at this point, I, I, it's almost like the Chiefs have beaten me so many times this year <laughs> that now I, they've sort of earned my respect. Yeah. So. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pick the Chiefs. I think I'm rooting for the Chiefs too. Wow. I just I don't I don't know what it is. I just it's almost like I feel like I'm watching Jordan and LeBron and 
it's hard now. And again, they're the enemy for us, but we're not in this one. You know, I just, I don't know. It's just, you know, I, I, I'm all, if, if I hold out hope that the Jags will be what I still hold out hope they'll be, let's knock them off the perch after they've won a bunch, you know? And so I, I, I don't know. I'm almost, I almost find myself rooting. I mean, I don't really care. You know, but I almost find myself rooting more for the Chiefs than I will the they're, they're the AFC team. I'm an AFC guy, you know. Of all, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I almost find myself rooting for the Chiefs. It's a weird, it's a weird. But I'll say it again. I said it at the top of the program. I do believe this is a, this is a NFL scripted Super Bowl, man. The team of the team of today, the 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 one thing the NFL has always had is teams of a decade. It's funny how it's played out that way. Other sports haven't had it as much. Other sports had the Lakers and Celtics forever, then the Bulls forever, but it wasn't like team of a decade. The Lakers and Celtics in the 80s were all in there together. But the NFL has truly had the Steelers of the 70s, the 49ers of the 80s, the Cowboys of the 90s, the Patriots for the next 100 years, right. and then the Chiefs ever since. You know what I mean? I mean they, they, it, it, mm-hmm. has been, it really has been like that. It's been Steelers, 49ers, Cowboys, Patriots, Chiefs, and they've all had their again. The Patriots went longer, but they've all had their tenure. They've all had their decade, you know. And, and the Chiefs—they're a dynasty. Yeah, they—they're clearly a dynasty. Yeah. Even if they lose, I yeah. think they're—they're they're yeah. a dynasty. They're—they're—they're they're, they're an undisputed dynasty. And yeah, because so, if we had to make a bet right now as to who's going to be in the Super Bowl a year from now, we're all going to pick the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even listen, if they lose. And listen, I—I I can tell you, uh, for for me, I don't—I don't know, man. I uh. I think they're going to be like this for a while. I mean, again, they with a really ordinary wide receiver room, they look the same. And, and what they've done is they've made the defense great. When we come back at the 5 o'clock hour, I want to talk about the coaching carousel. But Spags isn't even in play, is he? He has no chance, does he? No. Maybe the best defensive coordinator yeah. going. And he wasn't a great head coach. But, no, again, that's been many years ago, yeah. and it's you have to think that – I can't imagine next in the 25 cycle he won't get – more of a look yeah. because nice, he's just been so great this year. That's right. And it's hard not to root for my buddy Joe Cullen, who uh, would get another ring. And Joe's, a, Joe's one of the all-time good guys the, uh, who's had a couple stints here, the defensive line coach back in the day and the, the coordinator, defensive coordinator the one year under Urban. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing something good happen to, to Joe Cullen. So it'll, it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun game. It'll be a uh, – but I do – look, Super Bowl week and Super Bowl Sunday is epic anyway. Because because of what they turn it into, but I got a hunch this one will be honest to God. I think I got a hunch this one will be as absolutely as epic as uh, as any of them. So we'll see. I'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, a more football at the five o'clock hour. The coaching carousel has almost come to a close. We'll look at who got what jobs, college and pro. That and more when we continue. It's ten ten XL and ninety two point five FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Here, that means it's time for more football. Football! Football at 5. 5 o'clock somewhere. On The Frangie Show. in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies somebody calls you you answer quite slowly 
$1,000 high hands plus $100 table share from noon until 10 p.m. every 30 minutes at Best Bet Jacksonville, Orange Park, or St. Augustine. All right, down in Gainesville, Billy Napier has hired Joe Houston to oversee the special teams. He's 37 years old, Frank, and he will certainly, as you just heard Gibby say, be an analyst on the staff and I would expect help greatly with the special teams. Yeah, he's not going to be a full-time head coach, though, right? I mean, assistant coach, right? That's right. He's an analyst, but he, um, which is an int- which is interesting. He, um, he's thirty-seven. Apparently, he was the assistant at the. Um, he was an assistant with Iowa State. The Iowa State, and then he was he was going to be the special teams guy. According to the story, he was going to be the special teams guy at Alabama in twenty, until Belichick offered him the assistant special teams guy. So apparently, the guy's a pretty good special teams uh, coordinator. I don't know much about him. I'd never heard of him before, Hayes. But the one thing that does sort of stand out a little bit is Billy is trying to be proactive and address the things, that, or at least this is one thing where they weren't very good. So at least someone's in charge of it, which I'm not sure they had before. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good move and, and something that he, he you have no choice. You just look foolish if – you have the issues that you had on special teams last year. I mean, because, again, if, if they beat Arkansas, the whole narrative around them is much different than it is today. And and you can largely attribute that to special teams and the disorganization of that unit. So, uh, obviously, Joe Houston has done it at the highest level. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's a good move. He also was a kicker for USC. So... You know, I, I think that's important in terms of being able to relate to, you know, those players, particularly if they're going through a lull or something like that, or just help them with their form and, and you know, help them increase their range and accuracy. So it's a really good move. And again, it's a message to the fan base of give me time and I will get these things fixed. I'm Again, I'm surprised a move like this didn't happen like December 8th, but look, he got there. We might be at the end of January, but at least we know that when Miami comes in for the regular season opener, the special teams will be handled differently than they were when Chris Couch was running it, who's still there. Uh, but at least now Houston is there, I'm assuming, to oversee Couch. Yeah, that's what I would expect as well. I was surprised he wasn't going to be a, a full-time assistant coach. But in the end, the most important thing is that, yes, Billy Napier recognized a weakness and addressed it. It may have taken longer, like you said, than people expected. But there were so many issues, Frank, that I thought it would be an absolute travesty if the season started in the fall of 2024 and special teams weren't addressed. Yeah, and, and I think, listen, <laughs> I, I hope he gets it figured out. I, th- I think he's going to get it figured out. Um, but I like the fact that he's not just sitting on his hands. I still think I, – Hayes, I still hold out hope that an offensive coordinator comes in. I'm not giving up on that. I, I still think there should be an offensive coordinator. Uh, I still think there should be an offensive coordinator that comes in there. I, I still think I'd rather Billy be able to oversee all of it. Not that he did – and he did fix the offense. The offense, was, the offense wasn't the problem. But I'd still rather he get freed up to do a better job of uh, timeouts and and the like. Yeah, it's interesting because I I can't imagine that that he's going to hire an offensive coordinator. Although he just made this hire, so who knows? But the it just it just seems to to take so long. And 
with us, I mean, now your spring practice is getting kind of close. So I, I don't know, maybe he'll hire an OC, maybe he wouldn't. Uh, but I, I do like the fact that defensively they've brought in Austin Armstrong's sort of mentor to help him on that side. Correct. Obviously they're way more talented uh, defensively, and and so you know that'll help. I, I think you, let, you now see Houston coming in to hopefully fix the special teams, get that unit organized. Uh, that should really help. Offensively, again, I, I think it's the one where Billy may just say, I'm going down with the ship here. I believe in myself. I've always wanted to be a head coach at an elite level in college that calls his own plays, and I don't want to get away from that. And, yeah, I, I think I think as, as, a, as an OC, Billy Napier isn't a disaster, but he's got to get better at figuring out when to call the trick plays, when to take your shots, when to be aggressive. On the whole, I don't think he's he's really that bad. I mean, I think if you looked at Florida's numbers, uh, you certainly look at what he was able to do with Graham Mertz, and you'd say, okay, well, I mean, that's pretty efficient quarterback play. And obviously with Montrell and ETN, they ran the ball pretty well. And and, and again, some of that's just they, they had such little talent along the offensive line. They had guys playing out of position all year. So, you know, that hurts. I, I'm with you. I would feel better with him handing it off and delegating that, but I'm not sure that – it almost feels like Billy's like, well, I've given, I've given the defense that, and I've given the special teams this, I'm keeping and I'm keeping the offense. Yeah, I would expect that to be the case considering it is the end of January. And Granted, he just made a hire, but an offensive coordinator hire seems like because especially it's going to affect your quarterback so much, that would have been made already. There's this guy – I guess Brad Powers, I get the names right, that re- that has a metric system rating the strength of schedule. Have you seen this? Mm-hmm. College guy. He says, in his 15 years of doing this, Florida's schedule next year will be the toughest power-rated schedule he's ever done. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Toughest one he's ever done. He said a team ranked around 20th would be expected to go 6-6 six and six against his schedule. Florida obviously is not going to be ranked. It it's a brutal schedule. I mean that. I mean it's so. I mean I think if you're Napier, somehow just survive and look functional enough to get to the fourth year where you're not where your schedule's not ridiculous like this. Don't you think? Yeah, it, and again, it just doesn't make sense that Florida thought this was a good idea five or six years ago to schedule these games when you you already knew what the SEC was. You had to have some inclination that they might expand. It just or once they expand and you know you might have a trip to Texas or Oklahoma, why not try and get out of like the UCF game, let's say. You know, the Miami game is going to be hard to get out of. You've already you've ducked them for 30 years, so it's hard to buy out of a, of a rare game with Miami. But, I mean, it is, it is brutal because I think UCF could go in there and win the game. I don't think that would be a, a – I think Florida will be favored. You'd rather but be playing Charlie South that day. Absolutely. I mean, and so schedule, yeah. it just was uh, – it was it was odd that that they just felt the need to schedule all these difficult out-of-conference games, and now you have that in addition to going to Texas. Yeah, and you, got, you, get, you get Miami and Central Florida and FSU in the non-conference, including FSU on the road. You get, you get at Texas. You get the best – maybe the best Ole Miss team in 50 years, everyone's saying. Georgia, you LSU, get the best team in Georgia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the best, right? The best Georgia program they've had in years, and Carson Beck coming back. I mean, it is a, br- it's a brutal schedule, man. 
I mean, I mean, it really is. God bless Tennessee. The ceiling is eight and four. Yeah, like yeah. that's the best that I think you could hope for Florida to be this season. If he gets, if he went eight and four with this schedule, it'd be a fantastic job. But I don't get the sense that Billy Napier is getting fired because of the schedule. Because the t- schedule is really difficult. If that were to happen, it's going to be because of different issues along the way. Whether it's the clock management, whether it's the offensive play calling whether there are continued issues with special teams, things like that. I don't think that in the end the 5-7 and seven record is only going to be because of the schedule. The uh, Meanwhile, in the NFL coaching carousel, what's left? Washington, is Ben Johnson going to just get shoehorned in there? Seems like it. Yeah. Seems like that's what people are expecting. I think they're also interviewing uh, Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald. Yeah. So, but I would think Ben Johnson probably his job. is probably the guy. And then it's almost it's interesting because Seattle then just sort of can kind of leverage it and be like, look, we're the last spot, you know, and and negotiate really favorable terms because it's gotta, all assistance. You yeah. Know? Well, yeah. I mean, you got to think that between like Vrabel and Quinn, yeah, and you know, Aaron Glenn, let's say, or, you know, I mean, whoever they're I don't even at. get the sense Vrabel's in it. I think Quinn's in, Seattle? in it. Yeah, I think Slowick's in it. I think Glenn's in it. I think um, – I, I, I don't even – maybe I'm wrong, but I don't get the sense that – I think I think it's Quinn, Slowick, Glenn. Um, I think it's one of those three. I don't – somehow, some way, I don't even think Vrabel's in this thing. That's shocking if, if Vrabel gets left out. But, it look, I mean – it's the whole carousel has surprised me. I thought Belichick would have a job, and uh, and I thought Vrabel would absolutely have a job. If Mike McDonald doesn't get the commander's job, he could certainly get the Seahawks' job. They love defense, and at that point in time, yeah, if Ben Johnson gets that one, then Vrabel or Belichick, no jobs. Yeah, yeah, and and I, again, I I told you guys the Belichick thing. It was very interesting reading reading the Peter King and the Albert Breer today. I, I get more of an idea, and Hayes, you kind of hit on this a little last week, I think. Again, I, Belichick would not be attractive to me only because I think it's kind of come and gone. They, uh, again, he had he had a chance to rebuild. I've said that enough times to rebuild the Patriots, and he wasn't able to do it. Um, but to your point, Hayes, that you've made, if you hire Bill Belichick, he's not just going to walk in there and work with the staff you have. He's going to want to bring his people. He's going so so one of those stories that exactly kind of what you've implied. And that is, Arthur Blank wanted to hire Belichick. Was it Peter King maybe that wrote this? It was either Breer or King, one of them. Arthur Blank wanted to hire Belichick, but he got pushed back from people in his building. Hell, maybe even Rich McKay, but certainly people in his building because they're afraid they'd be out of job if Belichick came in. And would you risk that if you're Arthur Blank for a guy who's only going to coach two or three years? Belichick apparently has made it clear to everybody he, he wants to get the record. He's going to coach two or three more years. He's not, he's not there for the long haul. So do you blow up everybody in your building for a guy that's going to be there for two years? I think that's uh, – w- w- one of the stories made that point, which if it's, if correct, would make a lot of sense. It would. And, and again, Belichick isn't uh, an analytics guy. So if you're an owner and, you're, you know, you're paying you, – you've been talked into analytics, uh, if you take on Belichick, you either have people working for you that aren't really contributing or you have to fire those people. Um, I, I think it's it's done now because I, I'm surprised it's even being mentioned about like where Belichick could coach in 25. I I mean, and I'm a big fan of him. I think he I think he absolutely could have success at a different place. But I would find it shocking if he sits out or 
sits out isn't the right word because he tried to get a job, but is frozen out and and gets a job in 25. He's going to be 73 years old on opening day of 25, right. the 25 season. It just doesn't seem like it, at that point where he hasn't been doing it for a year, I think it's a much harder sell. I'm, I'm not saying I would be completely against it, but to me it loses a lot of its luster when you're talking about a 73-year-old who didn't yeah. do it last yeah, year. Yeah, I think we've probably seen the I think we've seen the last of him as a head coach. I think we probably have. That'd be my guess. The but Shula family point. has to be doing cartwheels yeah. because they probably thought that right. Was that the Shula family? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cuz yeah. it looks like the record's going to and no one will ever touch it. That's right. right. The, 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 this was the, the only, only guy, guy that could have could have done it. But it looks like there's a lot of people speculating as to where Belichick will coach next season. Right. Yeah. So they don't. They haven't given up on the yeah. idea of him I, coaching, and that surprises I, me. I'm like Hayes. I, first of all, I would have been surprised if I told you when he was still before he re, before he was out in New England when the season was still going on. I told you I didn't think he'd coach anywhere else. Well, obviously I was wrong about him wanting to because it was all the talk. Nobody had either nobody had interest in him or he had nobody no way. In fairness to him. There might have been three or four of them that wanted to talk to him, and he said, "No, it's either this or nowhere." In fair, that may be what it was, but no, I, I'm gonna tell you. It that. doesn't seem like that. It seems like really Atlanta was the only one that had had some interest. Had interest. Yeah, I, 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 that's the impression I got as well. Uh, we'll take a break. Morning, moment. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. I probably can't hit some of those Philip notes, just so you know that. I can understand. You can harmonize So, um, I think Burkhart and Olsen were fantastic. Yeah, they were good. Aren't they good? They are. I actually liked them much better than Nance and Romo. Yeah, you know, I, and I, I I never criticize the play-by-play of the color guys. I know how hard the job is. But they're not, they're not quite as good as they were. Uh, the, uh, and, and is there friction? I, well, Andrew Marchand, who does a great job from the New York Post writing about um, uh, air, on-air talent, suggested not friction, but that he thought the friendship didn't seem authentic. That it, they don't sound like two. You know, Buck and Aikman sound like two guys standing in a bar together. You know, right. The best, the best chemistry. Some were all in Madden. Yeah, were well, they were the best bit. at that, yeah. right? So, but the, but I, the, he said that they just don't sound. Even Burkhardt and Olson sound like they're buddies. Yeah, and it sounds like the gym. You know, there's a big age difference. You know, and it, they just don't sound as well. I, I think what happened with Romo. I think Nance is still great. I think. I think it's a Romo problem. Yeah, but I think, Nance is fantastic. Yeah, but I think what happened with Romo was he came onto the scene in 20 or whatever it was, and he did all the predict. He predict the play, and the play kept happening. So they thought he was just this this savant, savant right? That was going to be. So let's sign him up for 10 years or whatever. And I don't know. I don't know these. Giving you as much now. I, I think Olsen's better, which may, which also begs this question. Olsen's supposed to get demoted when Brady goes to the booth. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, Olsen's pretty good, boy. I, what happens there? He gets demoted, he gets I guess. Demoted. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it is Tom Brady. Yeah, but if Brady isn't good at it or doesn't really like it, then Greg Olsen will, you know, 
get moved right back up or maybe he'll switch networks. I don't know what his deal looks like. But the Romo thing to me is it looks like I would agree. It looks like two guys kind of faking that they like each other. Right. Uh, and, and I don't think they do a fantastic job of hiding it. Like it yeah. does, yeah. you know, even when they show them in the booth, they're about as far apart yeah. as two people can be. <laughs> now, I get, you could say, well, they're trying, you know, they want to show the logos behind them. And th- I, I'm not buying into that. You see, like, Collinsworth and Tarico, or you, you, I mean, and, and Aikman and, and Buck is a good example. I mean, they're not, there's not like five feet of space in between them. So, just from a body language, you start with that. But it just seems like, and my guess is Romo got all the acclaim, was like the hot thing. It probably went to his head. Uh, he probably doesn't work as hard at it. It probably bothers Nance that Romo thinks he's this huge star in broadcasting, and Nance is probably fed up. And it's that that would be my guess. I mean, yeah. from an outsider's perspective, because it doesn't look like they have. It doesn't look like they enjoy like each other's company. It doesn't like they, there's never like. And and I and I think largely it's because Romo has progressed. And Nance is having to play off of his stupidity <laughs> that he routinely made. I mean, he called one of the worst games the other night that I'd ever heard in terms of, I mean, obvious things and no real Very insights obvious, and, yeah. and analogies that saying went nowhere and yeah. fell off a cliff. And, you know, Nance is having to sit there and try and keep the train on the track. I, I don't know. So I don't know what's happened with Romo, but I think it's a Romo problem. Not not a Nance problem. I'm with you, and I think your your guess as to what has happened or transpired between the two of them would be correct because it does feel like Romo soaked up all of that attention in the beginning. Yesterday, one of his quotes, in games like this, the ball matters more than any game. Yeah, he's. I, I mean, <laughs> thanks, yeah, Tony. Yeah, well, that was right when the Chiefs strip-sacked Lamar Jackson and got the ball, but like, Duh, the football, not turning the football over, is important in every game, especially in the AFC Championship game there, Tony. And, and there's always going to be examples of stuff like that. I mean, Greg Olson makes those, and not maybe to that, but, I mean, Greg Olson, well, there were a couple times in, in his game. Sometimes is you're going to have to say things like that, right. that the diehard football fan is going to say, oh, my gosh, yes, of course. And I understand there's some people watching that may don't, maybe they don't watch right, a lot right, of football throughout right. the course of the year. So I, I understand that. But with Romo, it seems like his percentage of those comments has gone way up. Mm-hmm. And the problem is the comments that. that he makes that even make diehard football fans say, oh, wow, that's really impressive that he pointed that he spotted that seem way low. So I don't know whether it's just is it a is I, I don't know enough about the business to know. Is it something he can work on or is this just what he's become that he kind of catch lightning in a bottle because when he retired, the game was so new and he could kind of predict. And now the offense, even in five or six years, offenses have changed. And maybe now he doesn't anticipate it as well. And because he's lost that, everything else is just average. I, I don't know. But, it. I mean, I, I'm i not a big announcer guy, you know, but, but I've gotten to the point where for a while I was like, I think people are being too hard on Tony Romo. But the more that I've heard him this year, the worse I think he's gotten. One thing I will tell you this. It's a hard job. I'm not saying it's not. But there are good ones out there. I, and, I, and I say this all the time. The two guys I sit in that booth with on Sunday afternoons are really good at it. They, it's never generic stuff. 
it's always stuff that I learn from. And, and I'm and, I, and again, you don't take my word for it. Turn the radio on. You've heard Baselli and Logan. We've done it ten years together now. You've heard Tony and Jeff's stuff, Bucky's stuff on the sideline. It's good stuff, and it and I find it maybe to be better than some of it. Maybe better than it's not a lot to your point. It's not a lot of generic no duh stuff. It's, it's, it's really good stuff. So, anyway, um, I am interested to see what winds up happening with Olsen. Maybe Greg Olson can join Jim Nance and Tony Romo can uh, go somewhere else. Uh, it would be a big buyout. <laughs> it would. I don't mean go somewhere else as far yeah. as a different network. I mean yeah. do a different – be in a different booth. Um, uh, I never knew Martin Fenley very well. Like you, Hayes, I never uh, – Martin came in to – started covering stuff or writing columns for the Tampa papers around 91, 92, which is right before I made the switch from the newspaper industry to the, to the radio industry. That was in early 93. So I never got to know him very well. So unlike Pat Dooley and Mike Bianchi and Gary Shelton and, and, and Dave Hyde and so many columnists from around the state of Florida, Tony Barnhart, others from around the southeast, I never got to know Martin Fenley, so I didn't know him other than to say hello. But I will tell you, he was a marvelous writer. And it, I am touched by how much his, his passing, way too early, but he's my age. He's 65, and he was visiting his family in Connecticut uh, when, when, he, when he passed of a heart attack. But I will say I was very touched, and I know you guys probably were too, by the connection between he and so many of the writers, no better than I knew him, um, of what a good person he was. I can tell you what an amazing writer he was. Uh, Martin Fenley, uh, uh, a one-time columnist at the Tampa Tribune, one-time columnist at the Tampa Bay Times when the Times bit, bought the Tribune, uh, worked in Sarasota before that. Uh, he's gone way too soon at the age of 65. Yeah, reading the the tributes, it 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 was spectacular. I I didn't, I never got a chance to really know him. I would see him in press boxes here and there, like at Florida games and and stuff like that. But I, but certainly you can you can tell from the way his colleagues re- receive yeah. the news how devastated they are. And uh, in reading the the tribute, uh, um, or one of the ones, I. I thought it was interesting. He did a column on when the when the one of the columns of his that was pointed out and uh his friend's uh tribute to him. I uh, he he referenced the column that Martin wrote on Bob Hayes's on Mark Grave uh when the Super Bowl was here, which right. was really cool. And and the, and you know, that's the tough thing is is a columnist is to find those those stories that, you know, are are kind of hidden and and shine a light in a dark corner and but also be really funny, which which he could do, and I. Uh, so yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a uh, obviously it's a staggering loss. The the phrase that kept coming up was he was egoless, which I think is a great way to try to uh, get through life, and uh, and and because of that, all you're seeing is how much people are are gonna miss him. Yeah, I think it's always extra hard when someone dies suddenly, and you're not certainly expecting yeah. it. Uh, but I went back and read the tribute that Chris Harry did today on him and some of the writing i mean to your point frank uh, sports writing can a lot of times be stats oriented his was way more about painting a story the one about the clerk and dimitri hill mm-hmm. was so good so was, good was so good if you're a florida fan remember that basketball team that really fun final four team of 94 uh but martin finley uh the outstanding columnist sports columnist in the state of florida at the age of 65 uh, back after this with lawrence news and notes to wrap the program the Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show news and notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Spend more 
little Tim McGraw for you on this Monday afternoon. I love it, RJ. He's a Braves fan. That's right. His dad played, was he a pitcher, Tug? Well, his, Bray, his, his dad did for the Mets and the Phillies, That's among the others, and pitched here in Jacksonville, which is where he was born. So you talk Braves. Yes. Hey, he ain't seen a Braves play a game all year. That's not good. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, how sick of you, or how sick of Taylor Swift are you? When they show her, are you annoyed, or does it not bother it you at all? Me it doesn't one. bother me. Doesn't bother In fact, me I, I still kind of think it's more of a cool thing than okay. it is, like, yeah. an, I don't know why it's, I don't, I don't know. It but see, but, people but see, I like, like, I like Taylor Swift's music. Like, it's, yeah. like, she's got some good songs that just came out of, like, a year ago, and so I I don't you know I don't view her negatively okay. and uh, so I and I don't think she goes out of her way to find yeah. the camera I mean she's yeah. just there to watch a game and you know watch her boyfriend play and I mean and so I I don't I'm, get a sense she's obnoxious about it I'm I'm right with Hayes I I, I number one I don't know much of her music so it has nothing to do with that stuff like that doesn't bother me I, I think sometimes people are looking for things to be annoyed by. Oh, absolutely. And, and and I don't, you know, I mean, I can tell you this. Other than stuff that's done to me or about me, that doesn't annoy me. I, I don't, you know what I mean? A lot of the stuff out there that has no effect on me doesn't really annoy me. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think I, you know, but so, but, but I'll say this. It is, everybody saw, everybody's got an opinion about it. You know, everyone's up, it doesn't bother me. By the way, I kind of, I don't know her music very well. I'm probably, there's probably some songs, some, some pop songs that, You'd say, Frank, that's Taylor Swift. I go, oh, I know that song. You know, but I don't know. But I think her commercials are funny. I think she's good in the commercials when she plays all the different roles in the mm-hmm. commercials. I think she's good. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't bother me. What about you? I think they show her probably a few too many times, but it doesn't yeah. doesn't rile me up by any yeah. means. I just find it funny that she, every time we get to see her, she looks so surprised that something good has happened. <laughs> that's yeah. the, I find that funny. But she has... Uh, she has generated for the NFL and the Chiefs, according to uh, one report, $331.5 million she's helped them make. And then I just saw this. American Airlines has a specific flight to go from Kansas City to Las Vegas. <clears throat> flight 18, or sorry, flight 1989. That's the year both Taylor and Travis were born. And of course, she has an album called 1989. And the flight number is 87, which is his number. Yeah. So you can take a special. Right. Taylor Swift flight from Kansas City to Las Vegas. Put me down for seven seats. Right. The best part is I appreciate that you said, and of course she has an album that named 1989. Like yeah. I, I did not know that. So, um, but uh, I think that's her most famous album, if I remember. And right. she's a genius because I think she basically re-recorded the whole thing, and it's called like Taylor's version, mm-hmm. and like kept all the money, <laughs> which is fantastic. I, I will say because I've heard like legally that record companies are now trying to kind of stop what Taylor Swift did with that. Uh, record, which I think is hilarious. I read Good this. Day, I read the other day. Someone said that if she chose to, she could have a major impact on the election. If she, if she, cho- if she, sp- she spoke up for one of the candidates. That does someone, not surprise me. Someone said, like, some survey showed that she could affect like twenty percent of the vote. She, she would have an effect on twenty percent of the voters. <laughs> 
I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I just read this. Yeah, that boy, that seems high. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I would think a lot of maybe her that was fans. Not, maybe it's t- I'm just telling you what it vote. Said. Can't <laughs> the ones that would like base <laughs> yeah, their vote yeah. on maybe, what she I, says. Maybe I get the percentage high, but yeah. maybe I get the. But, but the point was. But the point is. Somebody wrote a column that said yeah. if Taylor Swift chose to affect the election, she could. It was, just, it was an interesting. Yeah, point. I can see that. Uh, the Bills promoted Joe Brady from interim offensive coordinator to full time offensive coordinator. Hayes, I think that was a smart move. Redemption has been uh, sweet a, did, for <laughs> Joe Brady. Did you get a cut? Yeah. Since you've been his agent for I mean, about five years now? Boy, that, that was so surprising that he went from that great LSU national title team, and then where did he get derailed? I can't remember, but he got a job somewhere and got fired. And The Panthers? Was it the, the Panthers, maybe? maybe was he under yeah. rule? Under rule of the okay. Panthers. And, uh, Panthers, yeah. And so then it was like, wow, will he ever resurface? And he did a great job. They fired Ken Dorsey, and mm-hmm. Joe well, Brady did a fantastic job. That was right. a big reason what, that what, Buffalo got hot at the end. And what hurt him until this year, until the resurgence this year, is is Burrow and Chase, and all, they all turned out to be so damn good. Right. The belief was maybe it wasn't him. Yeah. That, that was Which that, I think is fair. Yeah, well, right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's what yeah. kind of worked against And him. even this is, I mean, you got Josh Allen right, who right. just decided I'm going to play at an unbelievable level for the yeah. last two months he's of the year. He's probably a pretty good coach. But he probably is, yeah. And uh, he might be on the, the hot board in 2025. He might be. Uh, Ken Dorsey, by the way, who you mentioned, the Bills fired. He got hired by the Browns. Meanwhile, Kellen Moore, who I think some people thought he might get a head coaching position this time around, he was hired by the Eagles as their offensive coordinator. So the Eagles now two different coordinators than this past season. Kellen Moore as OC, Vic Fangio as DC. Kellen Moore has, of course, uh, quarterbacked or helped the quarterbacks Justin Herbert and Dak Prescott. Yeah, and uh, by the way, the Eagles, they're one year removed, one year removed from being in the Super Bowl, started 10-2, and two, and then gutted the staff, and the word is the coach barely survived. My goodness, you were in the Super Bowl a year ago, and one year later you probably barely survived because you gutted your staff. Wow, I got it, it. it moves fast. Man, yeah. it does. It, it does. Boy, Hayes, it does move. Move fast is the phrase. Golly. And if they hadn't made it to the Super Bowl that year, last year, I don't think Nick Sirianni is the head coach of the Eagles, but I do think that saved him. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they fired a guy who won a Super Bowl like three years after right. winning well, the Super Bowl. Exactly. Yeah. It might have even been two yeah. years. I can't remember. Two or three years. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has talked to some of his team's players. He's now the head coach of the Chargers, for people who missed it. And he said his meeting with Justin Herbert, the quarterback, left him, quote, a little starstruck. Well, I mean, Harbaugh gets starstruck by <laughs> Judge Judy. So we, we know it's a fairly low bar in uh-huh. terms of what, you know, gets him there. But, uh, I hey, look, I mean, I, it should be a beautiful partnership. I mean, and, and that's the right tone. I mean, he – you don't want to get up there and be like, well, Justin hasn't won anything. He's under 500 as a starter. You got you know, what big games has he won? You know, it's up to us to, you know, you don't want to get off on that. That's that note. You want to be positive and look, he's, he is the chargers coach because Justin Herbert is his quarterback. If, if I, he would have chose Chase Daniel was the chargers starter. (laughs) Jim Harbaugh is not taking that job. So, you know, but that will be really interesting to see how Harbaugh employs Herbert because he's always been such a run first guy, even at the NFL. Now, was that because, you know, Kaepernick was a starter for a lot of that and, you know, who knows? And even, you know, Alex Smith was kind of still finding his way in his career. I, Herbert is obviously a, a, an incredible uh, quarterback. 
So it will be interesting to see if Harbaugh tweaks it at all or if the Chargers are a power run team and when they throw it, they're really effective because you're not expecting it and it's Justin Herbert. I think they're going to crush it. I think he's a really good coach, quirky or not, and Herbert certainly has all the, the skill set. I think they're going to crush it. I think that is – I always say it, when you figure out quarterback and coach in that league, you're pretty good. And, and you know what? Harbaugh's teams are always – both with the 49ers and with Michigan, they're tough, they're physical. Uh, it took a while. Remember, it took a while at Michigan to get going. I mean, it, we, we still remember the, the punt at the end of the Michigan State game, which was an embarrassment for him. But once he gets it going – I think he's a really good guy. I think the Chargers are going to be really good under Jim Harbaugh. Speaking of quarterbacks, this was my favorite quote from the weekend. Alex Smith, the former quarterback, on Brock Purdy. As the unofficial president of the Game Managers Club, he's not allowed in. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone wants to slander pretty much Brock Purdy and say that he's a game manager, but I think what he's done in the comebacks against the Packers and, of course, yesterday against the Lions, I think you have to finally say, no, he's just a really good quarterback. Really won me over this weekend. I mean, the, the, the throws, the runs. I mean, he made some of the runs he made. Three carries, 52 yards for the three first downs. And I had no idea he was that fast. I mean, this was sometimes, sometimes passing quarterbacks that aren't good runners can run well enough, Hayes, but they're not runners. They just – this guy, he looked like – he looked like he could be an option quarterback, didn't he? I mean, he, I was very impressed with his, with his athleticism. If you leave it open, he's going to certainly burn yeah. you, and it's something that uh, the Chiefs will have to be mindful of as they prepare. Is Look, it's probably the last thing that you're, you're worrying about is pretty taking off with all of the weapons the 49ers have, but you do have to honor it because he can take off and get 10-15. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of Michigan, we just talked about Harbaugh. He, of course, left Michigan for Los Angeles, and Michigan did hire Sharon Moore, who was the interim coach or the acting coach when Harbaugh was suspended. No surprise there. No. He did a good job. He's a good football coach. And you know why he's the right coach? Because somebody needs to be the guy after Harbaugh. Somebody needs to be the guy after the guy that just won the national championship. And it's going to be the, the best guy to do that is the guy that was part of that national championship rather than somebody new comes in. Again, the challenge Kalen DeBoer has by being the new guy is a way tougher challenge, Hayes, than, than Sharon Moore has because Sharon Moore, is part of the, he, he was part of the family. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think it was the right move by Michigan. But it'll be exciting to see what becomes of the Wolverines now with all yeah. this uh, attrition on their staff. Absolutely. All right, time now for today's takeaways. Now, today's takeaways, brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. My takeaway is it is not the Super Bowl matchup that I was rooting for. I was hoping we would have Ravens-Lions, but I will say I'm really excited about the matchup from a football standpoint. Uh, San Francisco, the Chiefs, who's going to be favored? The 49ers are as of today. We've got 13 days. I would not be the least bit surprised by kickoff a week from Sunday if the Chiefs are favored, but it should be really cool just to see uh, all the storylines and how they collide in the Super Bowl in Vegas. So uh, it's not the matchup I wanted, but as a, as a football fan, I can't deny it's not going to be just amazing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I would say takeaways from the losses, as far as the Ravens are concerned, the fact that they had the eight penalties for 95 yards, some of those penalties, the unnecessary roughness, the taunting, you just can't do that. And of course, like Hayes mentioned earlier, Zay Flowers, you got to hold the ball as you cross the goal line. And then the Lions, MCDC is what everyone calls in Motor City, Dan Campbell. He made some 
terrible decisions on fourth down, and I think it ended up really costing his team. So certainly, like I said, we've got Chiefs, 49ers in the Super Bowl. They Each team can do so many great things. They each have weapons. And may the best team be uh, left standing. I really do like the Super Bowl we're going to have. I, 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 I do. I think it's a – you know, I wish uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars were in it. Being that they're not, I'm as content with this one as uh, could be any of the teams that got there. I think it's, it's marquee teams, marquee – um, heritage, um, some marquee players. Yeah, I do. I think it's, I, I, I like where we land. I like where this thing landed. I, I really do. I get, I get a good feeling for where this thing lands. Yeah, the only bad thing to me, Frank, is that when the Jaguars took on one of these two teams, so they played both of them, lost to both of them. Uh, lost the Chiefs early in the season, didn't have much offense, but that important game against the 49ers after the bye got absolutely destroyed. So it feels like the Jags are fairly far from the Super Bowl teams. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Again, I, uh, and, and, I, and this conversation's coming at some point. We talk more Jaguar football exclusively, maybe even after the season. But it's interesting the way it goes, isn't it? You're, you, you're bad, then all of a sudden you're good, you have all these expectations, and then the season doesn't go well. Maybe part of the growth is failing when you finally have the expectations to know how to handle the expectations. And we'll talk more about that with the Jags coming up in uh, just a bit. Let's say hello to Rick Below. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. Well, you got to kick the field goals, don't you? You got to make them. You got to kick them. You got to at least run the team out there to try and kick them. Yeah, it was funny because at half, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, my, my GF and I are going back and forth. She's like, is he going to go for it? He's going to go for it. I'm like, nah, you got to take the points on the road. Right at the end of the half. Yeah, you got to take the points on the road. So. Here he becomes conservative. Everyone forgets about that. Yeah, about and then the two, the, the third quarter and fourth quarter, he goes for it and misses. For a while, I thought he wasn't going to kick the field goal. There. Yeah, for a while. Yeah. For a while, I mean, well, they a, called the timeout. They didn't I know, know what to do. I know. I but I was like, take the points on the and and just a phenomenal comeback. I mean, some of those freak plays, the drops, and you know, obviously that huge fumble um, turned the game completely around. So. It'll be an exciting Super Bowl. Fun Super Bowl, though. Fun. Yeah. Marquee teams, marquee logos, yep. marquee names. So that part, I think, is, is really good. I'm excited about it. Yeah. What's coming up tonight? Oh, uh, we got a lot of good stuff coming up tonight. Sammy Smith, um, you talk about peaks and valleys. Yeah. You know, he, he could have had it all. And it was uh, it was kind of a an interesting college career. I went to school with Sammy, and, you know, he always wondered, was he putting in the effort, yeah. the time? He could have been so good. Still went in the first round. Had a fumbling problem, Miami Denver. Then got in some real trouble and went to jail. Got a brand new book that's coming out, so he's going to join us in about forty minutes. Oh, that's awesome. Looking that's forward awesome. to talking to Sammy Smith. He, he said it's a story of uh, of uh, renewed hope and this total change. So looking forward to doing that with him. And I uh, got a couple of other things coming up tonight. So uh, looking forward to kicking off the week the right way. The closest, from a talent standpoint, the closest to Fred Taylor that I can remember. He six was one, unbelievable. Six one two thirty, yep. super fast. Straight out talent. Of, He's the a, best back they've ever had. Out of a popka, yeah. Maybe yeah. well, Dalvin Cook was so but he, special. But he was right there. Yeah, I never saw. You know, I never. I, I didn't see some of the earlier guys. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Warwick Dunn will get all the love and Dalvin Cook. But, but the, if but, you talk about just pure talent, yeah, yeah. Sammy Smith had it. We, Larry Key and Ricky Williams weren't that. No. Greg Allen was close. A little bit before Greg, my time. Greg Allen yep. was close, but, uh, yeah. but you're right. After that, Sammy Smith. So right. looking forward to talking with okay. Sammy. All right, Rick. Thanks, buddy. Rick, that'll be a little good. You need to be listening to that because Sammy Smith was an unbelievable talent, uh, one of the best to ever play at Florida State. Folks, that's our program, but don't go anywhere. Rick Blue goes into the night right now. We'll be back tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel. For Hayes, for Lauren, and for Archie, I'm Frank Trangie.
Have a great night.